All right, wait, is this, uh, is this us? Are we ready to go? Yeah. All right, fantastic. So I prepared this thing uh, for last Friday, a show open. Uh, do I sound a little bit overdriven? You do. You sound overmodulated. <laughs> I sound just the slightest bit overmodulated. Uh-oh. Just the slightest bit. <laughs> just a little bit. All right, can you uh, try that? You're, you're way down now. Wait, hold on. <laughs> try, uh, now let's see, it's not a question of volume so much as it is of fidelity. Can you... Raise with just... Oh, there we go. All right. Fantastic. There, is everything back to normal? You nah. sound fantastic. Let's go around the room. How does everybody sound? Sarah, how do you sound today? Hello. Mine actually sounds okay. All right. Tim? I guess mine sounds okay. You sound flawless as always, Yours Tim. sounds a little, like, a little scratchy. Oh, yeah. so does mine a little, actually. Wait. No, I think I'm, I think I'm fine. Microphones. I can't tell. Is it scratchy where you are? No, I think we're okay. Well, let's begin the program. Week off to a flying start. Yeah. Uh, hello, it's the Rick Emerson program. So I prepared this uh, to begin Friday's show, not realizing that I was actually going to be gone on Friday. Uh, and so uh, this is what would have been the open to Friday's program. It is Monday. Uh, we're back. We're live. But we now begin with something I prepared for last Friday, the 13th. <laughs> Weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them. Alive. Friday the 13th, part 3, in 3D. Jason, you can't fight him. You can't stop him. And now, you can't even keep him on the screen. Friday, the 13th, part 3, in 3D. Now, when it comes to killing in Jason's woods, Jason will come to you. Friday, the 13th, part 3, in 3D. A new dimension in terror. It will scare you. Count on it. That would have been if I'd done that on Friday. That would have been boss, as they used to say. I think the kids still say that. Why, hello, it's 8 minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of June and the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are once again live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into comedy and whimsy. Uh, it's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today on our... Uh, First day back after a couple of days off. Uh, well, for me anyway, because you guys did the whole Tim Russert thing on Friday, right? Yes. Damn me. You know, I killed Tim Russert by going into town. Every time I leave town, something like that happens. I'm sorry, Tim. Uh, well, in any event, 
Uh, so, well, we'll talk, I guess, briefly about that because I think CNN and all the assembled news sources have rolled out quotes from about 500 different people. Get a barrel of them. I have to tell you, it, 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 I mean, I love Tim Russert. I'm just saying I was a little... I mean, I don't have any problem with lots of Tim Russert coverage, but it really was pretty astounding. Laura and I were sitting in, the, in our hotel room on, I guess it would have been Saturday, Saturday evening into Saturday night, and every single station you went to, it was just nothing but Tim Russert. It was like on some sort of continuous loop. Well, well don't forget, Meet the Press was always the major league for politics. That is true. And, and that is probably the reason why. You know, it's such a big, Meet the Press was such a big show that they actually had Bob Schieffer, who did Face the Nation on our very own uh, network of CBS, I believe. It was actually, we spent the last 30 years just having its teeth kicked in by Meet the Press. But Meet the Press was the original show. It's the longest running program of time. Long, I, I do believe it is the longest running, and we had had this discussion a while back about the longest running continual, you know, the longest continuous running program that is still uh, putting on new episodes. And I had speculated then that it was Meet the Press, and somebody actually said that. Correctly or not, somebody said that on Saturday. That's correct. That Meet the Press, you have the longest running program on television. So, uh, anyway. So we'll talk about uh, a little bit about Tim Rusher later on today. I can't tell if I was doing uh, Don Imus or Tom Brokaw there. Tom Brokaw, man. So I know we're... You always think he's gone, but he always shows up again. And then, But then you... I know we're jumping right into the program. We haven't even said hellos and howdies in the phone number. It's uh, 503... Meet the press again in 1947. 47? Yeah. That's 61 years, I say, displaying rudimentary first grade math. As though to impress everyone. Uh... Well, it's 503 503-733-2970. Uh, it's Monday. We're back live uh, after a uh, few days of uh, vacation, as they say. It's uh, uh, 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today on this Monday with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, whatever ye may have, uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about anything, anything at all. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, so Tim and Sarah were here on, as was Richie, here on Thursday and Friday. Uh, I was not. Uh, I was laying on the beach doing nothing. Doing absolutely freaking nothing. Uh, all I did, I, I laid in the sun, I read a book, I got up very, very often to eat. Uh, and then I just went back and I laid and then fell asleep in the sun again. So uh, I, re I return only, only, with my color only slightly changed, though. Because my whole goal is and just... you have no color. That's what I'm saying. No, that's, but see, a lot of people are like, I came back from vacation, I'm not even tan. For me, the whole goal is to, is to never have my color change at all. Uh, because that way lies just cancer and humiliation. And, because I don't, and I don't tan anyway. I just burn. You know, and I'm just so deathly afraid of burning. Because when you... Because we're just all over the map today, but it is Monday, and I've, I've been gone for like five days, so I'm allowed to be a little fragmented. But what were you calling yourself this. yesterday? Captain Sunscreen? I am Captain... I talking to you? Dude, you don't even know. I get, I get that, like, RoboCop SPF 3000 or whatever it is. I go out, and it's like I am mummified in sunscreen when I leave the hotel room. And it's not because, I mean, I was going to say it's because I'm working on my base tan, but it's really just because I don't get tan. I just am just the whitest guy on earth. I mean, I look as though I'm carved out of wax. And I go outside, and I'm just pure. I'm just a beam of alabaster on the beach. And then I just burn to a crisp, and then I go back to being white again. There is no, there's no tanning that happens. At no point do I become beige or brown or cocoa in any way. I just go back to being white, but with some sort of an awkward, sort of blistered, peeling mid midway point. And that's just no good. And being sunburned is the worst of all possible worlds because, A, you look bad. 
B, you also look like an idiot who either got drunk and fell asleep in the sun or who just never, who just neglected to take steps against sunburning. So you kind of look dense and stupid all at once. Uh, and then you got the whole thing about, you know, and you get a sunburn and then it hurts. And then you can't, and it's always in some place where a like an item of clothing is going to be rubbing up. Like, for example, here's the... And let me just say this. There are parts of your body that are worse to sunburn than others. Sunburn shoulder, that's okay. Uh, you know, you get the, you know, your arms get a little sunburned, that's fine. You, you get like your ears or something sunburned, and then you just look like a gimp. You know, or the tip of your nose. I always get this. Here's the other thing I get. I get the top of my feet sunburned. Like oh, the very no, no, top of my hurt. feet. It sucks, man. And then you go, or like, the, have you ever had the soles of your feet get sunburned? Because mm -hmm. I do that thing of, you know, I'll be laying on the beach or wherever it is, and I have suntan, uh, you know, whatever, the sunscreen everywhere, except the soles of my feet. I lay there facing the sun like an idiot. Uh, and then I get up, and every step I take, out, do, out, do, out, do. And then you got to put on shoes at some point. And then it's like somebody's just sanding down the bottoms of your feet. Anyway, that's the end of my dissertation on sunscreen, except to say this. Uh, I also am really anal about going back and reapplying the sunscreen. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, you sound I, like a blast to take on vacation. I'm really not, but I look at the back of the sunscreen label and say, like, "This is good for 72 minutes." You know, one minute longer than that, you will begin to blacken. And so I just go, "Okay." So it's 72 minutes, man. I'm back in the room, like putting the sunscreen lotion back on. Except I am this guy. I will forget to like sort of get into the shower and get the sand off. And so what do you do? You put the sunscreen on your arm, and then you go to rub it in, and then there's sand there. And that's when you realize that sand is what they make sandpaper out of. Now, let me just rub this sunscreen. Just sand right into your flesh. That doesn't hurt unless you're already sunburned, though. Yeah, I be, but I'm delicate. I'm delicate. Like the underside of a baby, Sarah. Ew. I don't know what that means. Uh, well, in any event, uh, hello and howdy. Uh, coming up today, we have CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer, who will be joining us. Also, uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, Bob Costantini uh, will join us. We'll have today, for no readily apparent reason, the top five songs from March 8th, 1986. Uh, March 8th, 1986, coming up today. Geek Watch coming up today. Penis Watch coming up today. Um... Let's see. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff that you guys may or may not have gotten to. Let me just quickly here. Let's see. Did you guys talk about uh, R. Kelly? Yes. yes. Uh, all right. Boy, that was crazy. They spent like six years putting that case together. Mm -hmm. The jury kicked it out in like two and a half hours. Well, all right. Uh, let's see. Do you have this thing about the penis and the plaster cast? Probably not. All right. I got that. Um, do you have the thing about the big screen Smurfs movie? No. All right. Do you have the thing about the shield? No. All right. Uh, let's see, real quickly. Guy glued to a toilet seat? No. Nail gun attack at the office? No. Okay, I got I'm not it. sure about that. Actually. We get lots of nail gun attacks, but probably not that. No, this one is in the office, and I think there was a warning. I think the guy actually said at one point, I'm going to come to work with a nail gun, and I'm going to kill every one of you bastards tomorrow. Uh, real quickly, let's see. Do you have this about two women charged in sexual sleepover with teenage boys? I think we already did that. Really? Yeah. This would have been the, uh, let's see, um, this would have been in Bucks County? Mm -hmm. Five boys, two women? Yes. No waiting? All right. Well, in any event. Okay, well, uh, we may or may not then it recap that. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Monday. A Grisham man kills his brother celebrating his birthday by wrestling him to death. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wrestle wow. you to I'm death. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at that. That's just a phrase I've wow. never heard. Wrestled to death. Uh-huh. Okay. Too much horseplay. Uh, let's see. Everyone in Washington shares a memory, antidote, or email about Tim Russell. Brett Thompson is an interest in being John McCain's running mate, so don't ask him again. Uh, Hula.com kicks off its summer season with feature-length films being shown on the Internet. 
Nobody shows up to vote in a North Dakota election. Actress Mary Lewis Parker breaks her toe. Dog gone it. Luana Helmsley's dog loses $10 million. Uh-huh. Okay. That was was this the crazy old woman who left all her money to her dog? Mm-hmm. Okay. Taxes are for uh, little people, Tim. That's yeah. what Leona Helmsley said. All right. Uh, Sarah Dillon joining us today. Looking fantastic as always. Hello, and how Hello. are you today? I'm doing splendidly. Right. By so, the way, did Dave Zinn tell you about Max on Friday? Uh, he destroyed uh, Dave's Indian food. No. Not so much what that else as it did, did pee on the door. Oh, which door? <laughs> this door. This door. This door down here? Yes. Yeah. Bad dog. Bad. Bad dog. So you can no longer mock me about Muppet and his diaper, even though he has it. Oh, I just got your email now. That's yeah, weird. Right. Um, oh, no, that's fine. I know that it... Here's the thing. There's a dog upstairs. I won't say whose. There was a dog upstairs that left um, solid leavings several places several times. <laughs> so in the grand scheme of things, it's embarrassing, but it's I've seen worse. So, uh, you know, no. and animals are animals. And... and he ate Dave's lunch, too. He uh, did. I eat your lunch. At one point, Dave went to get Indian food. And I kind of told him, you know, I sort of said, look, now, you can't turn your back on him for even a second if there's something edible in the room. Muppet's the same way. And Dave, I think literally, I think he, he went to, like, feed the parking meter or something. He did he, he just turned his back for five seconds and came back. And, and Max was already, like, muzzle deep in chicken tikka masala. I wonder where you get Indian food around here. Uh, there's a I'm cart. Unclear. No, there's a cart up on 4th. Okay. Uh, fourth and uh, whatever, like there's that uh, there's that gas station up there. Uh huh. By that fruit stand where that boy with that odd eye sells fruit. I sound like a hick. You know, up by the old Jensen barn. Uh, uh-huh. No, up on up on fourth. Uh, there's a uh, there's a you just walk up whatever the street is. There's Columbia. a shortage of that. There's also a shortage of places to get your hair cut around here. You know, I was just I, I was lamenting this to Lara last night. I that tried to do that this morning. Oh no. This and this guy in this hair place across the street here, this men's hair cutting place, is talking on the cell phone. Does not even get off it to say one moment, please. He continues to talk. I pick up my uh-huh. bag and I walk up the door. Are you talking about this place right across the street? Yeah. In the strip mall. Oh, you know, let me just tell you, I won't name the uh, I won't name the haircutting place to which you're referring. I went there once to get my haircut, and this should have been the warning sign to me. The guy. I mean, look, we all grew up in a certain era. I mean, I understand at that time you did what you did, and no one passes judgment. But it's 2000. Well, at the time, 2007. Mm-hmm. I went in there to get my haircut. Guy, full on mullet, full on. Wow. I mean, and I don't think it was like it is an ironic sort of hipster statement. I mean, I think like he was looking at, and it was like a, it was like, and it was like a, a, a like a curly mullet. You know what I mean? Those like, are the worst. Like sort of the like sort of the, the the like the kind of the white man's fro sort of, but then but then sort of tapered back down, long covering his neck. And I mean, there's certain types of hair I believe that you can't. Like, you're just not supposed to have that. And even in high school, you know, when mullets were socially acceptable, it was always known that if you were a man with tightly curled hair, you know, or very sort of, you know, hair that was very, very uh, sort of like tightly wavy, you, you don't do a mullet. I mean, mm-hmm. A, because it seems like you have to work really hard to, to even make that work in the first place. And then also it's bad. Anyway, so I went in and I told the guy, I said, haircut, please. And then I looked up and I noticed that he just had this. And they have the worst magazines in there and bad wood paneling. Yeah. And uh, so I ju- and and it, but it's like I needed a haircut so badly that it outweighed all of my sort of trepidation about the place. And it was not bad. A, I bad, have chosen bad. not to go back. That's a place. So uh, yes, sir. I'm sitting there for five minutes, and this guy's continuing to speak on his cell phone, not saying one moment, please. Oh, I'll man. be with you. No, that stick up my stuff and left. No, but but don't you? But that's not enough, right? That don't you wish when you go into a business? Uh, feel, you know, if I was a tall white man, I wouldn't be put through this. <laughs> if you, I. The 
when you go into a business and there's some sort of a, like, and they're talking on the phone and then they will not wait on you. Yeah. Leaving is sort of, I mean, it's what you have to do, but it doesn't really make the point strong enough. Don't you always wish there was something you could do that was more aggressive than leaving? Like throw a brick through the window? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> theoretically. Or I'm just thinking just one good punch right in the groin. You know what I mean? Just one good ball punch. Oh, there you go. That's for being on the phone, Dick. Uh, and then you leave, and that's fine. Uh, but there's, just, there's no statement sort of strong enough for that. I would encourage you, Tim, not that you were at risk of doing this, never go to Utah, because Utah is just the home of the worst customer service on earth. Every place you go in Utah, there's some girl behind the counter uh, just going on and on like Sybil Faulty. I know, just going on to some uh, the, the prattle-brained friend of hers while you're sitting there looking at your watch because you've only got 12 minutes for lunch and you got to get a sandwich and walk three blocks back to the office. It's the worst. Well, I'm sorry you had that experience, Tim. Um, all right. It's seriously right. We're trying to do business around. That's what I'm saying right there. I'm going hey. back to the suburbs where I belong. Uh, Sarah, I hate to make your life difficult. No. Uh, can we do a little swapping on the CNN front, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because I'm thinking at this point, Amanda, we are not going to have time to sort of be fair to her. Could Would you see if it is possible to put Roop at 45? Yeah. And then obviate Amanda, just sort of uh, tell her we'll talk to her at some other point. Thank you. That would be fantastic. Well, speaking of swapping, I like that new Swing Town show. I seem to be the only one that likes it. You know, Peter Carlin hates that show. It's interesting. Uh, well, we'll talk to you. He's going to be on later today, actually. He's going to be on at 2 o'clock. Uh, I know it's late in the game, but he's going to be talking about that Roman Polanski thing, uh, that movie, which I, I'm the only one that... And I haven't seen that, and I haven't seen the, the Kevin Spacey, the HBO recap movie, either. Also, there's a new documentary on tonight because they have a fresh one every Monday night. I'm not sure what tonight. Yeah, I'm going to have to resubscribe to HBO. I got rid of HBO, and I got rid of cable, uh, but it's it, but it is that thing. It's like as soon as you throw out like a little jar of nails or something from your garage, that's exactly when you need it. Where are those eight penny nails? I need to hang a small picture, and they're never there. So as soon as I got rid of HBO, that's when they started rolling out all these fantastic documentaries. So I gotta like, I don't know, I gotta I gotta find some. Well, I'm to... stuck with it for two years, whether I like it or not. <laughs> you've got you've got it now, and you'll like it. Well, um, the only reason why I have it is it's it's coupled with my internet service. Sarah, where are we good? All right, fantastic. Good time well, loves me. Excellent. Well, that's well. You know what it is. I'd rather I'd rather reschedule than to have to show disrespect to Amanda when she calls. Exactly. Um, all right. So uh, first of all, a couple uh, props here to Richie. I got this is typical of the email I got about Richie. Hey, the best ofs have been great. Good to Richie for dredging up all the random sounder songs and snippets instead of just doing whole older shows. I can tell Richie has actually paid attention over the years uh, because even I have forgotten some of these things. This is from Todd the Corpse, and he says, and I'm supposed to be the official show historian. Richie, as much as you've given me the ick factor over the past few months, I appreciate how you put together the best ofs. Kudos to you, sir. Uh, here's another one. Hey, I totally forgot about the genius that was the Pimp Squad song. I was clawing at my face when you just replayed that. How can something so painful be so great? There is not enough soap in the world to clean away the Pimp Squad. So I hear that the best jobs were pretty fantastic. They were awesome. So, they were totally entertaining. They totally interrupted my 90210 watching. Excellent, because you found yourself listening because to I the felt, show. Yeah, I was listening to it instead of watching it. When you find yourself listening to this show, do you, feel, do you have moments where you feel like, God damn, what an egoist I am? No, here I am listening to myself talk. No, here, I'm sit here. Belly laughs. I mean, but then you kind of feel like, what is wrong with me that I'm sitting here, we did this show, and then you sit here and you listen to it again yourself. Sometimes I'm just like, God, my voice is annoying. Or other times I'm just sitting here thinking, God, we're funny. Yeah. I only have... <laughs> it's either or. Hey, that's my thing. I feel we're very unappreciated. No, that's... I agree with you, Tim. I think we should go... We should go, we should go national. <laughs> Today. <laughs> right um, this second. All right, uh, so we will talk to uh, to Jim Roop here uh, later on. Let me just do uh, a couple things uh, from the weekend. Um, 
I had some notes that I made uh, about my airport journey, and some of them were... It's like those things, like, like you know, when you and your friends are up till 2 a.m. and you have a great idea for some product that you think is a can't-miss, and then you look at your notes the next day and it's just a bunch of gibberish. So some of my notes from the airport are interesting, some of them are not. Um, so uh, Lara was in Utah, and then she and I met up in San Diego uh, on Thursday. So I had to sort of take care of, you know, Max and get the house taken care of and then go to the airport myself. First of all, did you know you that there was... You took care of Max? I did. Well, I sort of... didn't take care of Max. Well, but I mean, I had to get him taken, you know, like, it was... at the lodging place. You should have and... seen him and Muppet running around together. Was it adorable? It was adorable. They were friends. Like a little crime-solving team? Muppet and Max, they're solving crime. But they're team. the exact same size, yeah. too. And... No, they're like, they're like weird, like different colors of the same dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Anywho, so I, so I, I, you know, dropped Max off here, and then I went to the airport. First of all, I completely missed my turn at the airport because I normally go to that economy parking lot, economy red or blue, and I was running so late on Thursday that I, I totally missed my turn, and I found myself in some weird parking lot that I've never been to before, which is just, which is the green lot. Have you ever been to the green long-term parking lot? Not yet. By no. the way, there's a reason that the color is green, friends. That's because it's like that's because it's <laughs> double what it costs to park in the economy lot. Oh. But at that point, of course, there was no time to turn back. Are they more spacious parking spaces? It is. You know, can I tell you? But here's the thing. Here's where they get you, Tim. It is like the green parking lot at PDX. This is really local and relatable. It is. See, this I is. I want to learn more. You know, Tim. If we were national, this is the sort of thing that wouldn't make any sense to people listening to us on WGR in Buffalo. They wouldn't understand this business of a green parking lot at PDX Airport. Um, but, you know, with the green parking lot at PDX Airport, it is like traveling first class on a plane. It's closer to everything, spots are bigger, more spacious, and the service is more frequent. Because you park in that red or blue lot, which is typically where I park, and, you know, you got to drive like five miles away from the airport to find a parking space. you got to wait like an hour for the bus to come by. Just every big, flabby, Winnie the Pooh-wearing bastard is on the bus yeah. with you. It takes like half an hour to get from your parking spot to the airport. And then, of course, it's the opposite when you land, right? you got to wait forever for the bus. And then there's 75 different lots in the economy parking lot. And, you, and you have to, you're driving along. It's 2 in the morning. You just want to get home and go to sleep. And meanwhile, there's a guy going, Coming up next, parking area T. Parking area T. Coming up. And then you drive along and just, and then you stop there for no reason. You stop at parking lot T and don't move for what seems like an eternity. Meanwhile, you've got to get to like V, which is a, you know a mile and a half down the road. So I turn into the, the green parking lot at PDX, and the first thing I notice not enough, not as many spaces, but the spaces are easier uh, to find. They're easier to get into. They're larger. And so I park my car, I get out, and you know what? They got buses coming by in the green parking lot about every 90 seconds. It was fantastic. And you know what? From the green parking lot uh, at PDX to the actual terminal is about, uh, it's like 65 seconds. You get on the bus, and I would say in less than 90 seconds you're there. Was it a substantially different amount? It was like double. It's like double what it cost to really? park an economy. But you know what? i got to say it was worth it. I really do have to say it was because when I got off the plane, I got right to my car. You know, every time you're going on a trip, it always seems that there's one item that costs twice as much as what you started out to pay. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I got really raked over the coals on a car rental in uh, L.A. the last time I went. But I learned this time that next time I go, I'm going to use my American Express because they cover that tricky little insurance that they double the price on. That's So it. if you rent with your American Express card, and you have one, too. I do. Rent your car in the American Express car because they'll cover that huge insurance cost that they tack on that they don't tell you about when you reserve the car. Oh, man, don't even... The last when uh, when Lara and I went to Vegas with Aaron and his wife, I don't know, a month, month and a half ago, whatever like that, we rented the car, mm-hmm. 
And then they do that thing of, now, um, would you like to fill the car up yourself when you bring it back, or would you like to, uh, would you like to just pay for that fill up right now? And so. Well, like idiots, though, it, we chose exactly the wrong option, obviously. Uh, we, we said, well, okay, why don't we pay to have you fill it up when we return the car? Wrong choice. Mm-hmm. We should never have done that. Never. I was like, no, 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 because the thing is they charge you for the full tank refill. Right. Whether So here's, here's, I know that I'm jumping all over the place to different trips, but when you're in Vegas, we have this rental car. When we rent the car, like morons, uh, we say, well, we'll just pay for the full tank of gas uh, now. And then, you know, you can fill it when we bring it in. But what we didn't realize is if you return the car with half a tank, they still charge you for a full tank fill-up. So what are we doing in the hour before we have to return the car? I am speeding like a maniac. I'm taking corners at 85. As soon as the light turns green, I'm flooring it, making the wheels spin on Tropicana. Why? Desperately trying to use it. My goal was to return it on fumes. My goal... I, I, I let it just sit. I ran the air conditioner with the windows down. I did every did sunroof open, windows down, air conditioner on, slamming onto the gas as soon as the light is about to turn green. I did everything I could trying to use the full tank of gas, and it didn't, it didn't really work. Um, let's see, other notes from the airport. I had a great revelation about something. Uh, so, oh, so the point is, after all of this, I'm running late. I end up parking in the green lot, which costs me more, but I figure I don't have time to go to the economy lot. I don't want to miss my plane. So I get into the airport, and right then, what do I see from the board? Delayed. And so my plane is delayed by two hours. Oh. I could have slept for another hour and a half. Uh, So my plane is delayed by two hours, and I'm sitting there, and I have this realization. There is, at this point in American history, I mean, we have science and technology. We now Today is the world of tomorrow. Uh, We have the world of tomorrow right now. There is no reason now why they can't alert you via your phone if the plane's going to be delayed. I mean, if you don't have a phone, you can't de- get text messaging. Fine, you're no worse off than you are now. But you know what? When you sign up, when you when you get the, the ticket, you have to put in. I'm turning into Woody Allen. When did you get the ticket? You have to put in your the, your phone. They have my phone number. They have my email address. There is no reason the airport can't send me an automated text message saying, "Hey, uh, Alaska uh, flight 675 delayed by 90 minutes." And you know what? If you don't get that or you don't have a phone or whatever, you're there at the airport. But you know what? You're no worse off than you would have been right now. It seems to me that the airport at this this juncture has the technology to alert you if the plane's going to be delayed or if Mm -hmm. the plane is delayed. And it would only only, uh, help the airport, too, because it's going to ease congestion. It's going to eat. They're not going to have to deal with uh, customers coming up and going, what do you mean delayed? I just broke my neck to get here. So I don't know why they don't institute some system to let you know when something is going wrong with your flight. Uh, that's note number one. Let's see. What else? I just scheduled a flight. I'm going to fly JetBlue. I'm really excited. Oh, JetBlue. I thought you vowed never to fly JetBlue. No, because I just they screwed, screwed your sister. And my, yeah, they screwed my sister, but then remember I flew them after that time. And it's just, you, you know, can't like argue us raves, with it. Like us raves about that airline. It's so big and comfortable, and they have, like, you have your own cable, which I don't even have at my house. Yeah. And they have, lot, like, food that I like, and it's just, oh. it's really nice. So I did pay... Um, $100 more to actually fly JetBlue. Good for you. It's worth it. You know what? I'd, I'd rather be comfortable and not be sandwiched between screaming children, which now since I said that, I already will. No, no that's what I'm saying. Oh, don't, I, on the flight yeah. back, I had it. wasn't even a baby. A baby you can almost forgive. On the flight back, I swear to God, it was like a four-year-old. 
You know, they really ought to know better, and the parent ought to be able to just say, I swear to God, if you keep crying, I will sell you to gypsies when we get home. I will sell you to a vivisectionist, you little bastard. Uh, but, of course, they didn't. They just sit there because the parent doesn't even hear it anymore, so the baby just continues to squall. Um, uh, let's see. Also this, I won't say where, but I was having uh, breakfast somewhere uh, in uh, the Portland airport. You know, in Portland, of all places, there is no excuse for bad coffee. There just isn't. I, I mean, thought the airport was under construction, though. Uh... Kind of. In Portland Airport? Yeah. No, I'm just, but I went to a, a place where you have a little bit of breakfast, a little a nosh, as they say, and you know, they serve me some coffee. There is no excuse in this city to have bad coffee. I mean, it's one thing if you're going to a bar, I suppose, where coffee isn't really whatever, but it's a breakfast menu. The idea that you would go to a place in Portland and that they would serve you for like $3, by the way, a cup of bad coffee, it's just inexcusable. There's just no reason for it. Here's what else is uh, something you don't appreciate. You don't really appreciate how the prices are controlled at the Portland International Airport until you're at, say, oh, I don't know, San Diego Airport, and you go to get a bagel at Starbucks, and it's $4! And everyone in California is trying to sell you C's candy. You oh. can't get away from them. I know, they're everywhere. You you try to hide around the corner. There's another C's candy salesman. Ugh. This box is only $32. <laughs> Something for Father's Day, perhaps? Uh, let's see. And, okay, finally this. I'll tell... I have, like, two pages of notes. I'll just get... This is one other thing here. Uh, and then we'll break here in a minute. We'll come back with uh, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Um, I will say this. It's tempting to think that this is my fault, but I don't really believe it to be so. So, Lara gets to San Diego earlier than I do. Uh, I land because my plane is delayed. I land in San Diego, you know, and what do you do? You know, everybody starts taking it. You check the text messages. And there's a text message from my wife. She's like, weather too nice to wait for your ass. Meet me, you know, meet me at the beach. I'm like, okay, fine. So, she is already gone. She is already at the hotel, at the beach, already laying in the sun with some hideous chiclet, no doubt. So, that's fine. I get off the plane. I got. No, I haven't checked anything. I got the one carry-on bag. Bam! I go down. I find a taxi. I step out into the gorgeous San Diego weather. I raise my hand. I say, "Taxi!" Taxi comes along. I get in. Guy behind the wheel. Uh, it says, uh, you know, and he has Middle Eastern in some way. And he says, you know, and he has sort of only the tenuous grasp of English. And he says, "Where are you going?" And I tell me, "You take me to uh, you know Western Beach or whatever. You know, take me there now." And so we get in, and I should have known this was, this is the first warning sign. Uh, I won't identify the actual community uh, that we spend our time in, because what with the awesome power of the Rick Emerson show and all, I'm sure it would be overrun with tourists. But, but I'll just, we'll call it Western Beach, and I just say, Western Beach, you know, instantly, take me there. And the guy who presumably lives in San Diego says, uh, how you want to get there? And I said, what do you mean? He the goes, the longest way possible. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how do you want to get to the beach? And I said, I don't know, just take uh, just take the five or whatever it is. And he's like, take five or take, you know, other road. And I said, you know, whatever. And this is, what did I do? Like an idiot, even though I lived in San Diego. Take me through Orange County first. Like, <laughs> can, I, can you take me via Puerto Vallarta? Uh, like a moron tourist, I just go, just take me the fastest way. And then I don't look at the road. And so I'm sitting there. I'm not looking. I'm checking my email. I'm checking my messages. I'm making sure I got everything in my bag. Like an idiot. While the taxi driver is clearly just driving in loops or something, we finally get to the beach. And the funny thing about this story is, in the retelling, even though he was, I believe, Iranian, in the retelling, he has somehow become Italian. Because every time I told the story to somebody, I kept going like, Mamma Mia! So he's become Italian in the retelling. But we get to the beach, and what does he immediately do? He looks down, and he says, he says, in, in my imagination, an Italian, he says, Mamma Mia! Wait for it. I forget to start the meter. So I look down, the meter's not even on. 
That's what he's, as we get to the hotel, I'm going to turn on the meter. Oh, sucre blue, or whatever. So what happened? And I said, well, I'll give you $5. <laughs> and so what happened? Everybody guessed. Did he give you a base pay or something? No, I. It, what did I do? Like it, like an idiot. I go, well, sir, how much would it normally be? Oh, <laughs> no. no. You don't put your fate at the hands of strangers. Well, but the thing is, I had no... That's what Laura was yelling at me later. She All this like, stuff, and he hasn't even arrived at his destination. I'm just my first thing, getting to the hotel. Like the guy, Mamma Mia, I'm going to turn on the Demeter. And I said, well, okay, how much would it normally be? And the guy says, uh, it'd be uh, $19. And I said, fine. So I take it, and I think I even tipped him. I think I, <laughs> I, think I gave him like $21. And so I get out, and I tell, uh, I tell the whole story to Laura, and she's like, well, how much did he charge you? And I said nineteen dollars plus I gave him a tip, and she said, you know, that's like a twelve dollar cab ride. Oh. <laughs> but the thing is, I had no. What am I going to say? I don't know. I have no idea how much because I even when well, I well, you really there, honestly didn't owe him anything at no, that point. Uh, he, no, it, 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 his responsibility is to start. The is year. that true? Could I have refused to pay? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh. I mean, it's not your fault. You don't have to be like, okay, sir, start the meter now. That's that's his responsibility. I didn't know that. Just like See, I thought it was still my on the bus or something. It's like someone doesn't ask for your pass. I mean, I thought that's... it was still my responsibility to pay because I have obtained goods and services. Are you kidding me? So not only did I give him twenty-one dollars, which I think <gasps> is you know what? You know what this is? This is the Alanis Morissette song. This is your free ride when you're already paid. Oh, bastard! Isn't that ironic, Rick? Well, you would think that if he was screwing me and he assembled, everybody's sort of assembled opinion is that he is screwing me, you know, by doing this. You think that if he's screwing me, he would have just charged me less. Like, you help me stick it to the man. You give me $10. It go in the, the pocket. You know, like I'd give him 10 bucks and the meter's never turned on. Kind of like how, um, you know, sometimes there'll be that bartender that comps you every third drink because, you know, at the end of the night, you're going to give him a $15 tip and it still works out in your favor. You would think that the guy, if he was going to screw me, would just charge me 10 not double the goddamn fare. I mean, in my own defense, even when I lived there, I never took a cab to that beach. I only drove there, so I have no idea how much a cab ride would be. Oh, really? So I could have paid nothing? Yes. Oh, F that guy. Oh, 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 oh I hope you die. Die in a fire. Oh, bastard. Oh, and you're only gone like a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. We've really got a break. All right, oh, fine. Yes, we do. Fine. Anyway, back after this with CNN Radio correspondent James Rupert. Radio program. Uh, we are back. It's Monday, June 16th, and hello. 503 uh, Coming up later on today, we got a, uh, I don't know, Geek and a Half Watch. Uh, geek Watch Snuff Watch. Also a regular Geek Watch. Uh, penis Watch. Tim Riley coming up with the new news hour here uh, later on. Uh, Peter Carlin will join us. Top five songs from March 8th, uh, 1986. Uh, for no uh, real reason. Let's see what else. Um, uh, well, we have I I have last week's high concept Thursday uh, topic, which we were going to do on Wednesday, which is in true the holdover from last Monday. Point is, we never got to it. So I was going to actually roll out that today, uh, but then we were sort of sent another high concept topic, which I think might have to wait for them. I just don't know. This is too much to get. Too much. Too many things. 
Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll try to get it all uh, taken care of, uh, one way or the other. Uh, we'll also talk to Richie and catch up on, oh, let me just tell you this, speaking of Richie, so it wasn't the whole pimp squad, and there's so much stuff I have to catch up on. I will say that I came into work, uh, yesterday afternoon, so I got into town yesterday, and I came into work yesterday afternoon, bicycled mm-hmm. in, by the way, which is nice, and I, so that I'm actually on two days in a row of bicycling now. I'm, uh, I shouldn't even say it on the air. Because then my failure later on just becomes that much you more shameful. You rode your bike to work today? I did. I rode yesterday, and then I rode today as well. Oh. Uh, so I actually... And I'm, I'm going to ride my bike back to work today. But I, just, I, I drove to, to work initially. Yeah, boy. It's just it's one of those moments where you just... Uh, like, I, we were in the hotel room uh, in San Diego, and at one point... I went in, and granted, it's like I didn't look my best anyway because I was all kind of unshaven because I didn't shave at all. I didn't shave Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, like, I think it was Saturday afternoon. I came in from being outdoors, so I was just, like, a little pink. I had a little bit of color, and, like, I'm covered in sand, and I haven't shaved. And I'm wearing, you know, like, bad vacation clothes, and I'm pretty sure I had, like, a food stain on the front of my shirt. I was all kinds of sexy. And I just kind of got a glimpse of myself in, like, it was that unfortunate confluence where there was a mirror in the living room of the hotel, and then there was a mirror in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and it was like being in a in a clo- like in a dressing room, like in a changing station. I walked in to, for a second, and I went to sort of, I don't know, just ran a hand through my hair or whatever, and I caught myself from two mirrors at once. And goddamn, I'm flabby. So I just I just told my wife, I'm like, you know what, f this. Like when we get back to Portland, I'm eating badly on Sunday night, and then you're putting me on a diet, which is she's sort of been agitating to do, because my wife eats a lot better than I do. So she put me on a whole. So starting today, I am on my uh, I am on my wife's diet, where she's just she literally as though I were a child. It's like Garanimals, but for food. Where literally, my wife is dictating what I eat every single day as of now, and I'm going to begin to ride my bike more often. I'm not going to vow to do it every day or anything crazy, whatever, because that that way leads to failure and shame and horror. I'm just saying, as of today, uh, I'm going to no more Easy Mac for me. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio Correspondent to the Stars, James Roop. Hello, sir. CNN Radio Correspondent, James Roop. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Sorry about that. How are you, brother? I'm well, thank you. I was, uh, I was in, I wasn't in L.A., but I was in uh, Southern California uh, over the weekend. It was, uh, it was uh, beautiful. It was glad to do it. So I enjoyed your fine state, except for the cab driver who screwed me out of $21. I didn't even, I hadn't even been in San Diego 20 minutes, and I was already $21 in the black or in the red. I get off the plane. Uh, I walk out to the San Diego airport. I hail a taxi. I'm like, hey, take me to Western Beach. Guy says, okay, bam. We get in the taxi, drive off. We get to the to the hotel, which is right on the beach. And as I was saying earlier, for some reason, the story in the retelling, the guy has an Italian accent. And I think it's just because that's my brain thinks it's funnier that way. We get to the beach, and the cab driver says, Mamma mia, I forget to turn on the meter. <laughs> and I see, and everybody has that same knowing chuckle. And... And like an idiot, what did I do? I'm sorry, sir. How much? And I'm apologizing to him. I'm sorry. How much would this ride have been? Uh, and what Sarah and Tim were telling me, do you know this? Is it could, If the guy forgets to turn on the meter, can I just tell him to get bent? Uh, it's pretty much a free cab ride. Oh, God damn it. Oh, oh. Oh, I'm going to be bitter about that for the rest of the day. Oh, so you not could... only did you not get the free cab ride, but you overpaid for a free cab ride. Overpaid by 100%. Well, how how far was the ride? You know, I don't even really know because a I'm terrible with directions and b uh, do you know where Mission Bay is in San Diego? Yes. Uh, or Mission Beach? Yeah. Yeah, about from the airport to Mission Beach. Dude, that's seventeen dollars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So the guy basically is the guy told me to be uh, nineteen, and then of course like an ass I tipped him. <laughs> mm. And I listened to that. Not even not even I'm sorry. Just sort of a. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, clearly that is a that is a moron move I pulled there. I had no idea. I thought that if you got a cab ride, uh, you received services, you were obliged to pay. I had no idea. Uh, if they if they screw up, it's hey, thanks for the ride. Oh, man. damn it, damn it. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, it's not like only... if your pizza doesn't arrive in thirty minutes. So yeah. not only did I apologize uh, to him, I then paid paid too much and gave him a tip. Ah, oh, for the love of all right. Well, no, 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 no. That's uh, that's very. That that is wonderful of you as a human being. Uh-huh. Yeah. As a businessman, that sucks. <laughs> All right. Well, see, but lesson learned. Now I know. Now I know that uh, I could have just told him to to stick it. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. And you know the worst part about that is, uh, well, there's several worst parts. A, I overpaid. B, I tipped. The worst part is that somewhere uh, there's like an Iranian cab guy laughing at me. <laughs> with, with an Italian accent. Sir, you tell. Let me say this. Let me ask you this about Italian accents. So I was thinking about this, actually, because at the first time I told the story to my wife, he remained Iranian. The second time I told because I kept returning to it throughout the weekend. Like, I can't believe that that guy tried to pull the, you know, pulled the meter thing on me and that I fell for it. The second time I told the story, though, he became kind of Italian. By the third time I told that story, he was like a full-fledged, like, Mamma mia! Oh, no! I am a filled with a shame! The, it, the best way to get out of that, honestly, is if... They pull that thing, and sometimes it's legit. Sometimes they forget to pull the meter, but that that that's a very rare thing. That's the first thing that happens before they pull out is they throw that flag down. Because it's by habit, I would right. imagine. Then you just say, how much would it have been? Nineteen? Oh, well, here's five bucks for the tip. <laughs> they should have done that. I told- because that, they're going to put that part in their pocket, and I guarantee you he put the, <clears throat> all that money in his pocket because it didn't register on his meter. Oh, man, and, you know, and as I, I was reading this, um, I was reading this great book, uh, over the weekend, uh, which has actually been out for a few years, but I was reading um, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. which is a great book, and he was talking about that scam that bartenders run, which is the, the, called the buyback scam, which is where the bartender only charges you for two out of every three drinks, it, knowing that at the end you'll give him like 15 bucks tip, and you know you're still ahead, and he pockets 15 bucks. Um, and that's so that's you know I would figure as my wife pointed out if this cab driver is using me to screw the man which is fine I'm for sticking it to the man I just don't want to be the man that gets it stuck to him and so you would figure if he's using me to shaft his boss he would only charge me like ten bucks. See now the, I, I drove a cab when I was in college I drove for Yellow and we, we used to pay twenty six bucks a night to take the cab out anything over twenty six bucks was ours. Right. I don't know how it works now if they have to rent that cab um, or if they pay a percentage of the fare. I'm not sure how it works anymore, probably depending upon the company. But it's real easy to make a whole lot of money driving a cab, anywhere from cheating the meter to crying poor and people giving you big tips. Uh-huh. I mean, there's so many ways to do that. You know, and I and here's the other thing. Cheating the meter is the easiest one. Oh, yeah, you think so? Oh. Especially when you're dealing with some gullible. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't. I mean, even though I did live there, I haven't lived there for a long time, so I count as a tourist now. So you're cheating some gullible tourist who doesn't know how much the meter would be. Because even when I lived there, I never uh, took a cab to that beach. I was just drove. Uh, so, uh, all right, fine, fine, whatever. That's well, not. Why a, did you opt for a cab in the first place? Um, because I my plane was delayed, and I was meeting my wife there. My plane was delayed, so I got there two hours late. And I got off the plane, and there was a text message from my wife going, hey, the weather's great. I'm not waiting for you. Meet me at the beach. Uh, and I was already two hours late on the day, and I wanted to make, you know, and I was only there for a few days, so I wanted to make kind of every day count. And it's like I just, and it was really hot, uh, and I just, I could not stomach the idea of just taking the bus. I just didn't want to take the bus, and we didn't rent a car. 
So that was the thing. And it seemed like a reasonable, you know, like, screw it. You know, we're on vacation. I'll, I'll spend the money for a cab. I'll get right to the beach. I'm not going to have to sit here with the, you know, these yokels and wait for the... the little did I know, I am the yokel. <laughs> you, Rick Emerson. That's not as bad as this. I know we have to talk about some news here in a second, but let me tell you, let me tell you this. Uh, that's not as bad as the guy giving us a cab ride back to the uh, airport when we left on Sunday morning. Guy picks us up, and, you know, he's one of those cab drivers. You say hello, and it's like the whole life story. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking to him. I swear to God, the guy says this. Another way to get tips. Yeah, well, I think it might have worked to my wife because here's the other. And he he volunteered uh, that he uh, has some medical issues. And my wife is a nurse and whatever. So they got talking about that. He, uh, well, this is something you don't ever want to hear the cab driver talking about. He's like, so you know, uh, I have to wear one of them uh, colostomy bags. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like five in the morning, and I'm trying to drink my coffee and just trying to have a pleasant, you know, you're getting on a plane and just, you're kind of in a bad mood because it's the end of vacation. So I got one of them uh, colostomy bags. You know, I haven't had sexual relations with a woman since they put the bag on me. And I'm just sitting there like going, is this my life? Am I really in a cab with a guy talking about how he hasn't had relations with a woman since they put a colostomy bag on him? Why am I here? Good God. All right. How much time do you have before you have to be somewhere else, Jim? I'm yours, man. Okay. Uh, so let me ask you this, because I, I didn't. we were doing the sort of post-vacation, you know, what did we do over the weekend recap and what I did not note is that it was, and this really ties right in, it was um, yesterday, and I think this is a nation, is Pride Day on, on is, you know, yesterday, was it nationwide, or is that just here in Portland? Is it, Sarah, do you know? Uh, Pride Day here was last week. Okay, so oh, yeah, it must be like different in every community. So yesterday was Pride Day in Portland. Which always bums me out because I'm always out of town, so I never get to see the parade. It's, yes, because it's, it's always on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And so I had sort of forgotten about it, but I biked to work yesterday. And then I took the long way. It was a nice day yesterday, and I'm, you know, I'm feeling feeling fat. And so I was taking the long way, bicycle through the park, and suddenly I couldn't figure out thing of like it's like the joke of the guy going into the wrong bar and going, "There's a lot of chicks in this bar. They're all kind of butch. What's that about?" And then you kind of realize, "Oh, okay." And I couldn't quite figure out. And suddenly I was just a wash. It was like up to my hips in lesbians. And um, and then I realized it was uh, it, it was Pride Day. But then I saw the thing today. So what is the is it, so the so so gay marriage is going to happen in California as of what, today? The, the, it is legal as of 5.01 today, p.m. Which means... But only the, two couples are getting married today. So the, the, the sort of symbolic couple. Yeah. It's the, the, you know, the, the L.A. couple and the San Francisco couple that filed the original lawsuit way, way long time ago that wound up with the Supreme Court overturning right. the, the thing. So they're being honored, if you will, by being allowed to be the first to get married under this new statute. Um, and then the rest of them can go down and apply for marriage licenses tomorrow. And so here's something that I hadn't really thought of, uh, thought about. And I read a story about it the other day, and I, and I guess it sort of clicked in my head. Is it, it seems, is it true that the California economy is, there's a big influx now of cash coming in well, because of gay marriage? Studies are, there could be as much as a little over $600 million wow. uh, coming in. because And, and it, 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 I mean, I, I can see why. I mean, June is already a traditional month for weddings, and now with this, you are increasing the number of weddings exponentially uh, to the point where nobody's really sure how many there are going to be, thousands upon thousands. They'll get a better handle on it uh, come tomorrow. But I think most people are going to opt to pay the 70 bucks for the uh, for the license and in a quick $25 civil ceremony. They're not going to have the big receptions and all this other kind of crap. Some will. Most probably won't. They'll have a little party. But I cannot possibly see $600 million. That has to be an outside figure on if, you know, 
15,000 people have big weddings. Yeah, that's, I, w- I would imagine. I mean, it's probably going to be like any other wedding where there's uh, X percentage that have uh, the big, lavish, you know, sort of father of the bride kind of affair. And then, you know, everybody else does like a regular wedding or some scaled down wedding or whatever. But, I mean, that's what – I don't know if Schwarzenegger's getting – I mean, is he – where is he on this? Is he getting political heat for this or is he behind no, it? He, he's, he's not behind it. He says, look, I'll, I'll abide by the, by the uh, Supreme Court's ruling. I don't agree with it, but I'll abide by it. He's uh, he's pretty much into the uh, man and a woman situation. Yeah, but here's you know I would say that you know whoever it is, I mean if you, if you're a politician of whatever stripe that's sort of trying to trying to support this or you're taking flack for it, we really the the end you ought to just be able to get on California television with a big sort of pie chart and just you know and, and just like a bottom and just point it like you cut it in half even just at three hundred million, you just kind of go. Three hundred million dollar California economy. Shut up. I mean, that really. I mean, as a politician, that ought to be the thing that just that just closes the books on it for you. Three hundred million dollars. Get out. And even if this uh, statute, this this initiative passes in November that amends the Constitution to make gay marriage illegal again, uh, where we already made the money because in, in the next five months, gay couples can get married, and no one really knows what's going to happen if that initiative passes and marriage is defined as a union between a man and a woman. No one knows if the state now will then recognize those marriages that happened when it was legal to do so. I can't see how they won't recognize it, or I can't see how they would invalidate them. But it's going to be a very interesting thing if that initiative does pass in November. Yeah, it's a good time to be a lawyer one way or the other. Oh, son, I'm here to tell you about it. I mean, you're either drawing up prenuptial agreements or you're filing lawsuits against the state for, for not letting you know. Yeah, or doing both. Or playing, you're some Lionel Hutz guy on the Simpsons yeah. where you're just, Mr. and Mrs. Simpson, I'm prepared to offer you a big cash settlement. <laughs> oh, all right. It's an interesting it's time to be alive, my friend. It's, what's that? It's, it's an interesting time to be alive. It, it really is. is. And, right. and uh, what a country, huh? Um, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. California, blah, blah, blah. I had some other point. I had some other observation to make about California. Wait, wait. No, no. No. No, Don, I got nothing. All right. Hey, is it true, real quickly, is it true that people in California are driving to Mexico to buy gas? Well, that's the report I heard today. Although, I, I no, maybe not a lot of people, probably a few folks who live in Mexico and uh, work in the U.S. because they, they do have – there's some people that live in Tijuana and, and work here in the U.S. There are kids that, go, that live in Tijuana and go to school in the U.S. in San Diego. My, uh... There's some folks in the Otay Mesa area of San Diego that may cross the border to buy gas. But it's 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 a pain in the ass to to cross into Mexico. Yeah, I mean, I, that seemed like a made up story. The, the colostomy wearing uh, cab driver couldn't wait to talk about that. But it seemed like a, I'm sure that he read it somewhere. But it seemed like a story that was probably wildly exaggerated. He could fill up his colostomy yeah. bag. <laughs> Thank you, that's, Mama that, Mia. That's his extra tank. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, brother. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you soon. All right. There you go, Jim Rope. Yeah, I know. Okay, get gas into there somewhere. My goal is going to be to get gas into every uh, guest we have today, so to speak. All right. Hello, Tim. How are you? All right. Are you preparing news for us? Yes, it's all prepared. All right. We should take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, Coming up later on today. What is coming up? Ah, Bob Costantini will join us later on today. Peter Carlin, top five songs from March 8th, 1986. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right. Still to come. Here's my minor observation still. Let's see. Um, 
I have uh, a small Pim Squad observation. I have an observation about I saw the worst thing for sale. Let's see. Um, and let me just mention, by the way, the numbers. I have to just say this. Really, as I was driving through, or you know, bicycling through the park yesterday, really, just the number of staggeringly uh, hot lesbians was really—it was kind of—it was unexpected. Where? At the park, you know, for the for the pride thing yesterday. You know, you went right through the park, and it, you just there was that uh, you know that little sidewalk by the river, and it starts over by where that Esplanade or whatever it is, and it goes all the way down to the, the steel bridge. And I mean, really, one one perhaps uh, unfairly uh, expects a certain uh, a certain type of woman. Uh, to be at the Pride Festival, but really, let me just... Uh, I think that event attracts mostly youngsters, people in their 20s. It's, I, it, I, I have some really hot lesbian friends. Have you seen, not who live here, but they live in uh, Seattle. Oh, I see. I see. Not here, of course. Um, so there must be some hot lesbians here. No, there are. Let me tell you. I mean, I don't know whether they're all. I don't know if it's. I don't know whether they were all sort of just like four-year lesbians or you know or lifetime lesbians. Uh, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> really, if you're just if you're just bicycling by them, uh, if you're only seeing them for like fifteen or twenty seconds uh, at a time, doesn't really matter whether it's just for today or whether it's for life. Um, anywho, so there you go. And so uh, I would I would peg the average age though uh, of the attendants at the uh, at the at the, uh, the the Pride Festival yesterday, I would peg the average age at, I would say like mid twenties. Yeah, I would. For the younger side I would. Yeah, yeah, I would say mid mid twenties to perhaps early thirties. Uh, and then every now and again, you would see like the adorable couple that were like eight, or they're both like eighty five years of age. So, all right. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, you've waited too long already. It's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM nine seventy Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A young man is wrestled to death at his own birthday party. Apparently, this happened in Gresham. They're investigating the death of a 22-year-old man who passed out while shadowboxing with his younger brother and then died at his birthday party. Uh, police were called to a disturbance on Lillian Way in Gresham and found the body of 22-year-old Tanner McKee. Medical personnel tried to revive him, but he was pronounced dead. Witnesses indicate McKee was wrestling or shadow boxing with his 18-year-old brother Tyler when he collapsed. Oh, it was it was a, a Taylor. I'm sorry, and it was Taylor's birthday, not his. Now here's a dumb question. I don't understand. Wait, who's dead? The brother who was wrestling the other brother whose birthday it was. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so what is? Here's a dumb question. Maybe this makes me less of a man. I don't know what shadow boxing is. I thought shadow boxing it was like one where it was like one guy sort of training by I just know throwing what punches. Shadow boxing is. I thought that because, and I thought the name derived from where it was as though a man was sort of you know by himself against a wall and it was just him and his shadow. Like I, I thought I, it was just practicing throwing punches. I boxed before, but not shadow boxing. You haven't boxed. I have. When I broke a kid's nose and made him cry. <laughs> Good for you. When was this? In sixth grade. The, the police department in our town had something called the Police Athletic League, so they took all the honor students and decided to give them boxing lessons. <laughs> We're going to make a man out of every one of you. Exactly. So I uh, I learned enough lessons to be able to break someone's nose with a punch. Excellent. And I, I felt badly after that. I think that was my last boxing match. Did it make like a snapping or crunching noise? No. There was just a lot of blood and a lot of crying. Did you? <laughs> did you? Now, did you know, like when you punched the kid on the nose, would you have gloves? Yes. Headgear or just gloves? Headgear and gloves. All right. Well, you have to. I would say that takes some doing uh, to break a kid's nose if he's got like sparring. I didn't know I had it in me. Really, I'm not usually a violent person. Would you say that you could break somebody's nose now, like if given the chance? Oh yeah, I have. I have a much worse temper now than I did back then. 
I have a much shorter I have a much shorter fuse today than I did in the sixth grade. Excellent. I have I've had plenty of years to build up plenty of hatred from a lot of people. Good for you. I easily break a nose. <laughs> Just start with. Give me some gloves. <laughs> I'm trying to picture. I'm just trying to picture you just going like, because in my head it's like a full-on bionic I, woman. I was so surprised that I could do that. Yeah. I mean, did you realize that you broke in his nose, or did it, like could you tell like, well, that one really landed, or did you wait, or did it take the blood like pouring out to let you know? It was like, well, I saw right then. I realized, wow, I didn't realize I was that strong. I was, you know, a, a short little uh, a skeleton kid. A wiry, a wiry young man. Yes. And it, and then there was just a whole lot of like, yeah, that's great. Excellent. Do the cops uh, commend you for breaking his nose? I don't remember what happened. They didn't do like, well, wait, way to go, Tim. Way to land a punch. That's fantastic. Are there photographs of you in boxing gear? No, there are no photographs of me from my youth at all, unfortunately. I think they were sold in an estate sale. <laughs> Does that mean that there's some stranger with a big shoebox full of photos yeah, of you? Yeah, or there's some goodwill. You know, they're in some box with something else. I was just going to say, you're going to be one of those photographs that I see, like, at a consignment shop yeah. or something. Don't you feel bad for those people? I do. You just want to buy them and hang them up on the wall and say, yes, somebody still cares. I, we're already just so far off the path here, but I am fascinated by old photographs at vintage stores, Goodwills, Value Village, or, like, when you see the full-on, the whole photo album where it's not just loose photographs, it's like photographs that have been put into one of those albums with the like sticky the sticky page and the saran wrap that goes over it or whatever. I, and I'm like, who are these people? Can I just tell you a great idea for a documentary I had? And I will just say it now because I'm never going to do it. I mean, Laura and I sort of talked about doing it, but it's just, this is only so many hours in the day. You know what? I'm here's the other thing I'm fascinated by: high school yearbooks uh, at a Goodwill store. Because I mean. Like, I don't really ever look at my... I don't even know where it is. It's My mom has it somewhere. I never bought one. See, and I did just because I think you were supposed to. Like, I think you were just supposed to do. And then, like an idiot, I took around. Have you signed my yearbook? Guy, I don't know. And then everybody says, like, have a, didn't really get to know you. Have a great summer. Maybe we'll see each other sometime, Ted. Um, and so I think my mom has one, but I just... I never did it. But I, would, you know, I don't think I'd ever give it to Goodwill. A, not because I'm attached to it, but because it would seem weird. Like, it would seem strange for me to take my high school yearbook full of signatures and to give it to Goodwill. It would seem, I don't know, invasive somehow. And so my question is, when you see one of those high school yearbooks at Goodwill filled with signatures, do you think, like, dead kid? Kid who's been disowned by family. Kid who has disowned himself and is escaping his past. It's burglary. And so we had this great idea to go to Goodwill pick up a high school yearbook from, like, the late 70s, early 80s, and then reverse engineer it where we try to track down everybody who signed it by looking at their name and then, like, you know, the grade and trying to figure out who signed it, tracking down everybody who signed it, asking them what they remember about the person. Do you remember anything about them at all? Do you remember signing this? What were your thoughts? And then you end it by trying to find the person whose yearbook it was or their family or whoever. And, you know, and sort of working from the signatures back to the origination point of how did this thing end up at Goodwill? Just so I'm anyway, I love the idea that there are photographs of you just floating around somewhere like at like a thrift store. Dude, uh -huh. You should go to the Goodwill in St. John's. They had tons. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a boulevard of broken dreams. Are you, sure. are you, there's, I found a bowling ball there that's perfect for me. Oh, you know, everything there is like daddy won't be needing these where he's going well, they, it, they had tons of yearbooks and like photo albums and stuff I wish I could have spent more time there yeah I I, I will give that idea freely to the people does somebody do that because I want to watch that movie so all right excellent here's Tim Riley a landlord is shot in the face by a disgruntled renter 
This happened in Lane County. Police investigating a landlord-tenant dispute. Uh, sheriff's deputies say the victim was involved in a dispute with the tenant, 46-year-old Ronald D. Campbell, who lived on his property in Eugene. Happened early uh, yesterday morning. There was a confrontation in the party resulting in the victim and Campbell shooting at each other. The sm- small caliber handguns, apparently this was a duel. And the landlord lost. <laughs> Look, I will pay the rent if you can best me at dawn. Uh, nobody's been arrested in the incident. Apparently the case is forward to the DA, so maybe this is a common practice. <laughs> where? Uh, Lane County. Where is Lane County? That's where Eugene is. Well, Lane County searches all the way to the coast. Oh, that's right. That was the first place to come in with the election results. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So they dueled? Apparently so. Or, or something. But, I mean, what kind of a place is it where both landlord and tenant are armed and shooting at each other? Eugene? Isn't it easier just to call a collection agent? I mean, really, just have a guy go get that rent for you, maybe. I suppose so. It's a Father's Day incident. All right. An Oregon man is the winner of this year's Great American Think Off, a national philosophy competition that gives ordinary people the chance to debate some of life's perplexing questions. This year's question, does immigration strengthen or threaten the U.S.? The winner is Craig Allen of West Lynn. Congratulations. He won a gold medal before a live audience in uh, New York. He declared he was uh, the most convincing uh, when arguing the system for immigration is broken. He said it encourages an influx of legal immigrants and poses a threat to the security. Now, was this actually like a, uh, I mean, was it like a, a, an actual structured debate or how yeah. did this, mm-hmm. really? Uh, let's see here. Oh, this happened in a place called New York Mills. Oh, I thought it was New York City. This is New York Mills, Minnesota. <laughs> Where the, bar- the farming community of 1,200 people in central Minnesota. That's less impressive. It's 170 miles northwest of Minneapolis. Wait, so an Oregon guy won this? Uh-huh. Well, one of the medals, anyway. Okay, we should get him on the uh, we should get him on the phone. The silver medal w- award winner was Dina Claveri of R- Richfield, Minnesota, who argued immigrants uh, diversify the country. How is it that a guy from Oregon ended up in a farming community in Minnesota uh-huh. uh, debating immigration? That's it, a good at, like a Grange Hall. All right. Can you set that story aside? I, I should have Richie try that guy. You know what? I had this great idea. Uh, you know that radio stations sometimes or like local businesses will sponsor like a softball team. You know, like the Shakey's Pizza, you know, underhand league or whatever. You know, or to be like, uh, you know, Black Cat Fireworks presents volleyball. I had this, and you'll go to like the pizza place, and there's pizza places are always like this. You go into a pizza place, and there's always a te- like a picture of the local little league team, all wearing shirts that say like Ted's Pizzeria. I had this great idea. Our team, our station, should sponsor a debate team, and give them like a, give them like some bitchin' name. That sounds good. I like that idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I like, that like idea. the AM nine seventy, like you know, whatever. And then we'll come up with a name for them, and then we will sponsor the debate team, because uh, you know, because I have a fondness in my heart for uh, for debate teams. Lincoln Douglas only. So um, anyway, I've been put that in the pile of things to get to someday. How would you like to have an election and nobody voted? That's what happened uh, in Pillsbury, North Dakota. <laughs> Pillsbury Mayor Daryl uh, Broodbald said voter turnout in the city's primary election is usually fairly high. I dare say half a dozen people usually make it to the polls. <laughs> this represents a quarter of the residents of Barnes County. This is in northeast. What North could they Dakota. be voting on? A mayor this time. But on June 10th, nobody showed up, not even those on the ballot. Uh, the mayor ran unopposed for re-election. His wife, Ruth, and uh, Dan face uh, no challengers for the alderman seats. Everybody's got a job and they're busy, said the former mayor. Uh, just worked out that nobody seemed to go down there to them polls. <laughs> this is like a Christopher Guest film in the making. Only about 11 people live in Pillsbury proper, and the remainder of the residents live on farms outside the city. There's no precinct in town, so residents must drive 12 whole miles to neighboring Silby to cast their votes. 
Well, his wife runs the beauty parlor and is the town's postmaster. She's just too busy with work to make it to the polls, too. I need to get some banjo twang music just set aside for stories like this. Uh, the mayor himself said he intended to vote but had crops to tend. He said he assumed at least one person would show up, but nobody did. The mayor said the last day of election officials what he should do next. He's been the mayor of the town for a dozen years and was an alderman before that. He doesn't think the current five-member body will change. Uh, Barnes County Auditor Ed McGoo said those in office can stay there and appoint people, including themselves, to the jobs for until the next election. I presume things will stay the same. we got a little village here, and when you're elected to one of those jobs, once you get it, you got it. The council meets five times a year. Members are paid $48 annually, and a good portion of that goes to donuts at the meeting. <laughs> Uh, he says there's no need to uh, to gavel about this because attendance at the meetings is lackluster. In fact. <laughs> Not everyone usually makes it to the meetings, so it really doesn't get out of hand. The only time we get people to show up is when we raise taxes. Then everyone shows up. Okay, then. He's on the uh, he's the head of the committee for uh, onion belting. All right, let's see here. Oh, here we have this about shadow boxing. Rick, uh, Rick, it says I box for six years. Shadow boxing is a warm up exercise. Here we go, where you quite literally box with your shadow. My guess is they're using it in this context as if the two were pulling punches so as if not to connect, but to give the appearance they were fighting. So shadow boxing is, yeah, literally just boxing with yourself, just doing your warm-up moves. But he believes that they were sort of faux boxing, just pulling their punches at the last second, which, this is what I wondered, he said, which still begs the question, how to make with the choking and the suffocation and the death and the Like, how does shadow boxing go to, like, you're killing a guy? And that they haven't arrested anybody. No. All right, I don't understand. All right. Uh, All their jails are overflowing there anyway. I, <laughs> I suppose. Here's Tim Riley. Well, authorities over in Reedsport say a police sergeant fatally shot a black bear that had been roaming through the neighborhood there. They've been getting calls for about a week from people who spotted the bear at all hours of the day. Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife officials tried to trap the bear, but did not succeed. The police sergeant shot the bear on the same day two residents called to report a bear in their yard. Uh, traps remained in place over the weekend to capture a second <clears throat> problem bear. So there are two bears in Reedsport. Well, one now. Uh, John McCain has canceled an upcoming fundraiser with a Texas oil man after his campaign uh, faced questions on comments the host made about rape nearly 20 years ago. Clayton, about race? Rape. Oh. Rape? Rape. Uh, Clayton Williams, a Texas Republican who tried to run for governor, was planning to host McCain at his home today. But uh, Williams stored up a hornet's nest during his own campaign when he tried to make a joke comparing bad weather to rape. He was quoted at the time as saying, if it's inevitable, just relax and enjoy it. The uh -huh. McCain campaign is canceling the fundraiser. You don't, you don't say. It's from Texas. Of course. Oh, uh -huh. God. All right. Nothing, nothing but class from that campaign. Uh, it is Texas. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's get to this. Uh, Tim Russett's only son, Luke, was a featured guest this morning on NBC's Today program. His dad died Friday of a heart attack. As tough as the last few days have been on the family, Luke said the outpouring love and sympathy he and his mother have received has been amazing thus far. The uh, support from everyone in the NBC family and the general public and my close family and friends has just been unbelievable. Uh, my mother and I are so grateful, and uh, we're holding up as best as can be, but uh, it makes it a lot easier with this kind of uh, network around us. Uh, Luke talked about his father and how he viewed himself as a journalist. I really honestly believe that he saw himself as the questionnaire for the American people. At his core, I believe he had a higher calling, a responsibility to educate the American public about the candidates who seek the highest office in the land. 
Uh, let's see. I meet the press. Tom Brokaw described uh, Tim Russett as a patriot veteran newsman. Mike Barnacle joined in. I think it's really a testimony to his working class background and and to this country. He would always say, um, if I can get through this, um, what a great country this is. What a country. What a country. Wow, that's some Brokaw. Uh, so... It- now, I feel like an ass saying this right after he was crying and everything, but... You had a joke ready, didn't you? I <laughs> wasn't really a joke as such. It was... Uh, witty observation? Well, it was just something... My, I, this is It's not even that. I mean, it really is just something that really happened. So my wife and I were in San Diego, and I didn't really know that Tim Rushard had died. We were just... Because I deliberately I didn't watch the news. I didn't, didn't, didn't go to the... Because previously... Uh, previously, in Rick Emerson's life, previously I would go on vacation. The last few times we've gone on vacation, I just haven't had a good time. Uh, I just I haven't enjoyed myself. I just find it difficult to relax. I find it difficult. And you know that thing of, like, it takes three days to get into your vacation, you know, uh, which is why it sucks when you go somewhere for, like, a week, because it takes three days to relax, and then you get, like, two days, and then you get, like, another three days of dread because it's about over. And so I find it very difficult to relax on vacation. And uh, the last time we went to San Diego, I just sat there the whole time like, something's happening at work. I need to, uh, you know, I'm sure there's so- something that needs signing. Something what? that needs dotting. There's a new story that needs reading. You know, and I, Why don't you just buy yourself a box of saltwater taffy? <laughs> because, I, because I loathe saltwater taffy, Tim. Mm-hmm. I despise it. I what hate it. What kind of beach person are you? No, well, you know, and it, now everything is a story. Can I just yeah. remember that I was talking I'm about sorry, we were Tim here, Russell. You know. On Thursday and Friday, and you have your stories. So okay. I was just going to say, you know, the other thing, uh, late uh, Saturday night, uh, we were just really kind of beat, and so we didn't, we actually just kind of sat in the hotel room, and we just, uh, we got some food down the street, and we just sat and kind of watched television, and there was a great special all about saltwater taffy, I swear to God. Um, so, and I was making the observation that I don't really know anybody who likes that in the sense that if it's there, you'll eat it, but did you actively go out and buy it? Yes. Really? Yes. You're the one that... It was a family I, thing, too, for us. I, I needed something to cheer me up the last time I went to the coast. And I saw all these ramshackle houses on the beach and bird poop everywhere. <laughs> and you said there's only one thing that can cure this. It's saltwater taffy. Peppermint exactly. saltwater taffy is so good. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, then. Fair enough. I, didn't... I think I'll pretend I'm in Malibu, even though I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I will close my eyes and delude myself. Uh, um, I like saltwater taffy. Okay. Well, fair enough. I just didn't think. I thought it was a thing like circus peanuts that existed that nobody really... But that's like when I thought nobody really liked Junior Mints and Sarah does. So. I like Junior Mints. Tim, um, <laughs> I like all this in candy. So I have a difficult time relaxing on vacation. and But this time I made... I didn't check the news. I didn't check anything. And so at one point, uh, we were walking down the street. And this, this beach community where we, where, we, where we vacation is very small. It is... Um, imagine, uh, for Portland residents, imagine Hawthorne Street. But imagine, okay, like Angelo's, you know where Angelo's and, mm-hmm. and Mount Tabor is? Imagine if you started at Mount Tabor... And then Hawthorne went down to, I don't know, 39th, you know, like where that Fred Meyer is. But instead of Fred Meyer, it was just the ocean. I mean, that's this community we go to. It's, I mean, there's other streets, but that they, the main street is about that long. That's where all the stores are. And then there's just the beach and the ocean. I mean, it's, it is not a place to go if you want lots of, like, zim-zam excitement. Mm-hmm. Kind of like going to Pacific <laughs> City on the coast where it's just, like, basically one street, right. one hotel, one restaurant. Exactly. That's it. And there's, you know, there's bars, there's restaurants, there's little shops. It is, a, it is a definition of quaint. I mean, there's like eight, like one tiny video store. Uh, there is one tiny record store I and mean, all that. Anyway, so we're there, and we're walking down the street at one point going to get, I don't know, food or whatever. And we pass by somebody who's having a conversation, and we hear that blah, 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 Tim Russert. And uh, Lars said, did she just say Tim Russert died? And I said, no, 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 I think she was talking about that Tim Russert guy. 
And that like held us. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then that we just so we didn't think he was dead because I thought I actually said Tim Russert, guy. We go back to the hotel. And it was just all uh, Tim Russert stuff. But we flip on at one point and they go to Tom Brokaw, who is there and not being caught off guard at his house. Like he's on television hosting the remembering Tim Russert thing. And the first words out of Laura she's, she goes, was he had a stroke? Now has he had a stroke? Who? Tom Brokaw. No, he's always talked like that. He just gets older. How old is he? Oh, gee, I don't know. 70-something? He, no, he's not that old. Tom Brokaw's in his 70s? I would think so. Okay, well, that, I guess, makes it a little more explainable because, I mean, it was he was all but unintelligible at certain points. I mean, it was like his mouth was gummed together with some sort of Oh, he's, he's 68. See, I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not old enough to be talking that way unless he's got... There's something wrong with Tom Brokaw. There's got to be. 68 isn't enough to Maybe make you... his teeth don't fit him correctly. Uh, he, uh, he really, it it sounds like he has some sort of um, degenerative speech disorder. It really does. I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm just saying it it, sim- it sounds as though he has had some sort of a, um, some sort of an incident. That's all it sounds I'm just saying. That's what it sounds like to me. Like Dick Clark? Exactly. Well, I thought he, and you know, she works with, uh, you know, she works with the, the people who have all kinds of ailments. She's like, he's had a stroke. And, but, so maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, but he, it just, it's so much worse than the last time I heard him. I mean, it's gotten exponentially worse in just like the last whatever. All right, here's uh, more about Tim Russer. Uh, so let's see. Now you gave me things to think about. Uh, Mary Matlin, uh, talked about Tim Russer. He never left anybody. He stood up for his friends, and it wasn't that we just loved him. He loved his friends and took care of them. And then, uh, James Carville, who's married to her, uh, had a few things to say. The, the biggest, insult to him was that someone would come on here and wasn't prepared for the show, didn't take his show seriously. That he, he, he did have the most serious show on television, and if you came on, didn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat or you're a liberal or conservative, if you came prepared, he, he, it was going to be a good interview. It seems like those two shouldn't be married, but they are. Um, well, I, I was just going to say, uh, I was just going to say the same thing, Tim. Um, I mean, there are other odd couples like Tucker Carlson in that, uh, well, that lady he's married to. Uh, well, never mind. Tucker. I was, well, I was only going to... Oh, the old lady. Yeah, the school mom, who yeah. I find kind of strangely attractive. And I find Tucker uh, Carlson strangely attractive, too. I was, well, I was merely going to say that if you look at James Carville and Mary Madeline, especially in the Mary Madeline side of things, and if you look at Tucker Carlson and his wife, I'm just saying I see a similar dynamic at work there, and I will leave it at that. Uh, uh, boy, Mary Madeline, though. Boy, does, Jesus! I mean, how much just how much does she just look like Catherine Harris, that Florida yeah. recount woman with all the makeup? I mean, with every passing year, Mary Madeline, who at one point could sort of pass for kind of pretty, in a sort of Rust Belt kind of way. Boy, those days are just gone. I mean, the, James Carville. I don't even know if James Carville's attractive or not. He's just so weird looking. He's uh, James Carville's one of those guys who's so weird looking he might somehow become attractive. No, he, he looks like that skeleton you put put the candle inside on Halloween and put it on <laughs> on, on your front stoop. <laughs> also, this uh, metal fans in the house, think of uh, think of the Iron Maiden uh, "Peace of Mind" album. Yeah. Uh, think of Eddie the way he looks on the "Peace of Mind" album by Iron Maiden. That's James Carville right there. Um, anyway, but, but that's like a two-for-one deal, right? Like, I think that might have been just, uh, this is just my observation as a journalist protected by the First Amendment. It seems like 
That might have just worked out handily as a business arrangement with those two. Mm-hmm. Because think because it's the whole story, right? That he was the Republic or he was the Democratic strategist in ninety two. She was the Republican strategist in ninety two. And on the right. Exactly. And they and they wrote a book called All's Fair, which is actually really good. Uh it, it, I mean, they were able to pitch and they got a movie uh based on them with uh what's his name and the the girl? Uh so I mean they've that's actually paid off pretty handsomely for for them. I suppose so. Uh, then there's uh, Bob Schieffer, who's never appreciated by anybody really. I think what made him so good was he realized that news programs are about the news. They're not about the newscasters. I think that's why he got so much news himself. And like I'm a style, they had to run 700 different pieces showing uh, Tim Russert with his dad, Big Russ. No, oh, uh, yeah. Which is, you well, know. They put in a nursing home that same week. Is that true? Yeah. Last week, they put him in a nursing mm. home. Or an assisted care facility. I see. <laughs> well, never mind. It's too soon. Um, it, but it was just, it was like having, it was like having Imus flashbacks, though. Because when he wrote that book, Me and Big Russ, and I know they, they love their parents, and you love your dad, and whatever. And, and Larry just, King wrote a book just, about his dad at the same time that sold, like, two copies. I just... Like, who wants to read about Larry King's dad? Well, that was that's my thing. Like, um, uh, really, uh, unless your dad was Keith Richards, uh, you know, or like cured something, I, I don't think anybody wants to read about your dad. Just, I just, I just, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, call me crazy. I just, I don't. Th- but it was like when that book came out, I missed just had Tim Ross. It was like every day. It seemed yeah. like every day for three. Tim Ross heard about his book, Man, Big Ross, and it was just, it was just, man, it was like just taking one. It was like taking one big Sominex. All right. Yet Imus is still alive. Yes, he is, theoretically speaking. He will outlive us all. I suppose. But you know, I was thinking about Imus yesterday, Nobody actually. Nobody talks about him anymore. Nobody Except does. for us. Nobody, when, when that's only to say, what's he up to? Uh, I was actually had that thought, too. I he's was, being ignored like he's always been ignored. So when the Russert thing was happening, that made me think about Imus. Mm-hmm. And that, in turn, made me think about how we are the only people who discuss Imus, and that's only to ask if he's still alive. But my question was, who are the guests on the Don Imus program at this point? Oh, I don't know. I mean, does anybody go on that show? I mean, whatever. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't... The only reason I think about him was I, I, I was stuck doing news during his show, and you could tell there's nobody listening right now. Nobody. It's just wind if blowing. If I didn't from... do news at the top of the <laughs> no, hour, who no one would know? <laughs> it could have been six minutes of silence. Um, but, I mean, I don't. I certainly don't... I wish him all the best and whatever. It just really is just... He gets a, all the best no matter what he does. It is, it is just a journalistic question that I wonder who he's able to pull as a guest now after all of the uh, unpleasantness happened. So... I never hear any talk about his show. Yeah, I mean... It's on WABC in New York. Which is, you know, whatever. It's not for me to judge, I suppose. All right, here's Tim Riley. So, Sarah Dylan told me about this last week. It's Hula.com. Yes. Hulu. Oh, yeah. Hulu.com, yeah. I watched so many episodes of 90210 off of that wonderful contraption. So apparently you can watch television programs on this. Is that not so? It is. You can type in, like, any program, basically. That is one of those things that nobody talked about, and then within three days, I had 70 people tell me, like, Hulu.com. It's uh, it is the very definition of a uh, a word-of-mouth hit. So it's, like, your very own network, and you can watch television programs at any time? I believe it is like YouTube, but it's for full-length television programs and movies. So they're not cut into various segments. It's the whole thing. I think it's a whole thing, but it, are there spots? Hmm? Are there spots? No, there's spots. It's divided into like five. I was watching a one-hour episode of 90210, and there were four 15-second like um, commercials. Let's see here. Is it owned by like one of the big... Uh, it is NBC and Fox's shared site. That features current shows from both networks, as well as material from 50 content partners, including 
Warner Brothers, Sony, MGM, the NBA, and the NHL yeah. in the free of charge. Now, you know, I, I love CBS. It has the office on it. We're a, we're a proud member of the CBS family. Here's the thing about CBS. See, in my opinion, CBS really needs to push harder the fact that they have something like this. Yep. Uh, there is, I think it is, cbs.com slash programs, maybe. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. They never talk about it. Uh, but see, that it, it, is, it, is, uh, it is a product, and I'm not just saying this because we work for CBS. It's a, you can watch... Um, like, for example, and it's old, like they have the original Twi uh, Twilight Zone, the original Star Trek, some more current stuff. And the same thing, I went and I watched the Twilight Zone. There are, I think, either two or three 15-second spots. You can't skip them, but you know what? They're so short, it doesn't really matter. You watch it, and it's like, here's a spot. Oh, it's done. And, it, and I sat and watched, like, three episodes of the Twilight Zone, back-to-back, -back, right there. Streams perfectly, great sound, great whatever. I think they have Melrose on there, too. Mm -hmm. um, so CBS has something like that. I wish they would promote it more. So this, uh, this Hulu plays... Is kicking off their days this summer featuring eight straight weeks of premieres of full-length feature films and several television programs. New feature films, things like uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Bring It On. Yeah. But it also means a ton of television shows as well that are new to Hulu. So um, new shows from uh, PBS Network, so full episodes of Nova, Carrier, Scientific Frontier, and then shows like The Three Stooges. <clears throat> Uh, the site has grown substantially in its first months of uh, existence. We're very big believers that we want to let people watch their favorites anytime for free. That's crazy. So for the most part, um, when you take a look at the Hulu library, um, you know, what, when we put it up there, it tends to stay up there, and and uh, and that's definitely our focus. And I suppose the actors are getting paid a little bit every time one of these plays. Well, that was going to be my question, Tim. Mm. For those of us in the room who are members of SAG, uh, so is this part of that deal that was worked out? It's not worked out. They're still arguing, saying they don't make any money doing this. But here we hear they're, they're playing commercials on these. Now, wait a minute. I thought, oh, no, no, that was the writers that got there. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's, so leaving aside actors for a moment, will the writers be paid for this? I would imagine so if that's what their deal worked out. Now, is, there, are, is SAG asking for the same deal the writers got? Yes. Are they going to get it, do you think? I don't know. still could happen. Um, they, they'll go on strike on the 30th if they don't. Boy, well, no, they have to take a vote to go on strike. But will they vote to strike, do you believe? I don't know. That's a good question. Their big anniversary party is coming up this Sunday. Yeah. So, well, all right. But, you know, it is interesting. to I don't know. When the, when the studios say, like, how are we supposed to pay? We don't make any money. And then every time you go there, it's, you know, every time you look at anything online, it's like, whatever you want to watch, we'll start in a moment after this commercial. So. Yeah, on every website now. Uh, all right. Darn it. Well, I'm sure that they'll work something out, Tim. Let's hope so. Uh, fathers must be there to support their children. So says Barack Obama. He delivered a Father's Day address at, I guess he has a new church now. It's the... Apost uh, some church of God in uh, apostolic. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about it. in mm -hmm. on Chicago's uh, mm -hmm. South Side. Any fool can have a child. Says Keanu Reeves. That doesn't make you a father. It's the courage to raise a child that makes you a father. By the way, I see Hillary Clinton's not alone in amping up an accent depending on the crowd one is speaking Where is to. Hillary um, Clinton? She's disappeared. Um, what? Hillary Clinton has disappeared. You know, that's a good question, actually. She had that secret meeting, which was not so secret, in, uh, with Barack Obama at, yeah. like, Nancy Pelosi's house, or, or no, Barbara Boxer? No, Diane Feinstein. No. Diane Feinstein. And then, and then gone. She did nothing. Oh, boy, they, I saw the uh, that Hillary Clinton campaign, and, of course, downtown is just empty. It's just sad. Mm. Sad, gone. And then there's a Barack thing right across the street, mm. right there, as though just to kick sand on her corpse. Just, yeah, right there. People are dancing on tables now. Yeah. Now it's, uh, yeah. Hey, we almost forgot about Fred Thompson, and we probably should. Who? Fred Thompson. He says he's not interested in being John McCain's vice presidential nominee. Darn it all it's presumptuous hell. for a person to turn down things that haven't been offered to them, and I don't think will be offered. And it's not something that I want. 
Oh, bear. Um, Talk about old America. That's really, really old America. Seriously. By the way, I, I'm glad to see that they'll be having Eternal Sunshine at the Spotless Mind. That's one of the finest movies ever made. Uh, let's see here. Uh, John McCain, uh, not John McCain, but Fred Thompson, because we're talking about him, was on some uh, television show, apparently. And he's mad about the Supreme Court giving detainees at uh, Guantanamo Bay the right to have their cases reviewed in the court system. And not only is it erroneous, I think, under the reading of the Constitution and the historical precedent, uh, it's uh, it's bad policy. They, they've basically taken something that's been under the purview of the other two branches, elected branches of government, for all these years and arrogated that to themselves. His bunions must be bothering him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let us take a break. Uh, we'll come back. More from Tim Riley later on. Bob Costantini, Peter Carlin, top five songs from March 8th, 1986, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Rick Emerson radio program made lovingly in the United States. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Uh, let's see. Checking off observations as I retell the story, he becomes more and more Italian, even though I do believe he was Iranian. And, it, like, on the third telling, I said, it was, Mamma Mia! And then I started thinking about Mamma Mia, which means, what, my mother? That's Italian from my mother, my mama? I believe so. And it's sort of a universal, I mean, a universal, but I mean, it's, it, generally, it is a, a well-known Italian uh, exclamation of shock or perhaps dismay. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how every... I was trying to run down in my head all of the different uh, all all of the different cultural versions there are of that phrase, right? Because there's Mamma Mia, there is what do you say? What is the Spanish equivalent of Mamma Mia? The What is I? But see, we all knew it, right? What does Icaruma even mean? I don't know. This is like, Laura was of the opinion. I, I asked her about Icaruma, and she said that she thinks Caramba is just a word in and of itself. It just means like the Caramba. But I, I was thinking really... like Carumba's cockroach, but that's cucaracha. So that's cucaracha. So there is uh, there's Mamma Mia, there's I Carumba, there is uh, what do you say? What's like French? What do you say in French? Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. But I don't even <laughs> I don't know what that one means either. What does that even mean? Something French. So something about the, does it mean like a god thing? Is it like an oh my god? So there's that. What else? There's uh, what do you say in um? There's oy vey. Oy vey is another one. But I don't know what oy vey means. I don't know if it has a literal uh, translation or if it just means like, come on, you know, or whatever. Oh, speaking of come on, uh, and then we'll get back to uh, everything here. So there's, that should be the official English one, by the way. We should right now say that there's there's Mamma Mia, Sacre Bleu, uh, Icarumba, oy vey, and come on. So I was biking past Omsi yesterday, and some uh, folks went by me on on uh, segways. It was like a couple went by me on segways, and it didn't seem like they were doing it for the cool Job Arrested Development factor. It seems like they were really just like a bunch of granola crunching, you know, sort of yuppie types who were on segways. And I realized that I don't bicycle, you know, like a lot. But here's the thing: I wanted to shout at them like, "Why don't you just bicycle?" I don't understand the point of riding a segway 
unless you're just doing it to be sort of nutty. Like when I don't bicycle, I go all the way, man. I drive. If I'm not going to bicycle, I get in my car. Uh, I don't sort of pussyfoot around in the middle. Uh, whereas that's what riding a Segway. Riding a Segway just seems to be a cost-ineffective way to gain the same weight that you could just gain by driving in a car with all the amenities that implies. Seems to be sort of a, like a pointless middle ground between biking and driving. Well, you could go faster in the same position if you had a pogo stick. Yeah, I mean, and, and for less, you know, for like $9,000 less, uh -huh. I would imagine. That's something I don't put those cops down, Tom. Yeah, the, 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 the segue, they just bug me. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A Canby man has been shot in the leg by a burglar in his trailer park. I'm not going to do it. This happened in uh, the Clackamas County town of Canby. The victim's wife told 911 she thinks her husband may have uh, interrupted the suspects while they're in the process of burglarizing his trailer. The home is located at Canby, uh, Canby Regency Mobile Home Park. The victim was rushed to the hospital. Police began <laughs> Reg Regency. Mm -hmm. Regency. Uh, trailer park. <laughs> they believe at least two people are working together. No further details are available. They don't know what they stole out of the trailer. Okay. Well, there are many precious things hidden in there. Apparently. Trailer park. I barely knew her. Uh, President Bush is sitting down with talks with the new British Prime Minister, Gordon Brown. He's wrapping up his tour of Europe. Just yesterday, the president caused a stir... When he asked that Tony's Blair's successor not to establish a timetable for taking British troops out of Iraq. But before the two leaders talked publicly about the situation in Iraq today, the Prime Minister Brown had this to say. And so today Britain will announce additional troops for Afghanistan, bringing our numbers in Afghanistan to the highest level. Ah, Bush has a new poodle. Uh, Prime Minister Brown explains how why more troops from the UK are being sent to Afghanistan. We have resolved, first of all, as we did some years ago, that it is in the British national interest uh. to confront the Taliban in Afghanistan, or Afghanistan would come to us. Boy, can I just tell you, with Tony Blair, wait, was Tony Blair the last guy? Was yeah. there a guy between Tony Blair and this guy? No. Okay, so it's Tony Blair. Who was it before Tony, John Major? Yes. Before did nothing. Before John Major, was it Thatcher? Yes. Okay, so see, I can conjure up all of them. Thatcher... You know, it was just this sort of nurse ratchet uh, type of character with just a huge, probably huge, like a huge sack, I would imagine. Uh, and then there's um, John Major, who had no upper lip and always seemed to be sweating. A lot of glass. You know what John Major looked like? John Major, uh, for Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans, John Major looked like Wesley. It's exactly what he looked like. Um, and then there was Tony Blair, who's sort of like a sexy kind of Hugh Grant kind of guy. This guy, Gordon Brown, is so totally without personality. He's like a personality black hole. He's just devoid of any sort of characteristics. I, I he's, he's Teflon. I got a whole lot of nothing there. A Colorado man who underwent surgery is suing the Department of Veterans Affairs after a surgical instrument was left inside of him. 57-year-old Richard Keller of Colorado has a clamp in his chest following a triple bypass. His attorney said the hospital staff acknowledged only five of the six clamps they used were taken out oh. after the surgery. They said the clamp is near his heart. During an MRI, he said he could feel the clamp being pulled by the magnetic field. The magnet in those things can pull out anything that's metallic, which, you know, I was lucky it didn't. Okay. Ugh. Well, all right then. Um, and so forth. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Give him the clamp. Uh, have we taken any calls today? I don't know. Yes, I just. Welcome back. Welcome back. We couldn't live without you. I just sort of not take. I've neglected them. I'm sorry. Hello, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. Hi. How can I help you, sir? Got a question for you. That yeah. website you were talking about on the uh, TV shows, What? Uh, how do you spell that? 
CBS must be really must be really proud of us for talking about that. CBS.com. No, no, the other one. The no, no, the good one. No, no, sir. Hey, now we won't take we take any bad mouthing of our company. I am I am sorry. What is the spelling of that? Well, hold on. While Tim's looking up that, let me see if I can find what is this CBS.com. I believe it is Hulu. H u l u. Yes. Uh, H-U-L-U. Oh, here we go. Okay, here we go. But I'm now looking at, um, uh, I believe it is CBS.com slash program. Slash program. You can choose the CBS show to watch. Now, here's, oh here's some goodness, of the... Oh, my goodness. There's a plethora of them. Listen to now some of the programs you can watch at CBS.com slash programs. Uh, a lot of reality, obviously. Amazing Race, Big Brother. Cold Case is on there. Kane, Cold Case, Criminal Mind, CSI, uh, Miami, New York, the original Dexter. Uh, Ghost Whisperer, How I Met Your Mother, uh, let's see, uh, NCIS, Numbers, uh, blah, 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 Shark. Hey, Shark, is that, Shark is that James Woods, uh, James Woods show? There really, man, there's a ton of stuff on here. There really is. So, so my question, wow. if, if I wanted to compare the websites, and CBS is so easy to spell, the other one would be W W U L U. Well, you won't need that. Well, that's going what I'm saying. Yeah, going, yeah that's but, really. But, but to be a good consumer, I must be able to compare. It would be. Uh, it would be. Uh, it, it would be pointless. It would be a waste of your energy, sir, because CBS.com/slash/programs has met all of your programming needs. Well, if I was to make the mistake and accidentally type in certain letters, that would lead me to another website. Would it be W? Yeah, that would be very foolhardy. That would be foolhardy. I'm, we're losing your call, I'm afraid. No, I'm sorry. We've lost your call. Damn all the luck. So I'm going to the cold case files. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. This is Dennis. Hello. Hey. How are you? I'm Dandy. What's up, brother? I was actually trying to return one of Ricky's calls, but I didn't know that I'd get through. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm fantastic. Hold on a second. Let me put you back up. Richie, there's Dennis. There's, there's call screening today. is sort of not really happening as such. Oh, I see. Now he's typing on the screen. Dennis, thank you. Hmm. Thanks so much. Screen. It's a screen, not a door. All right. Here's uh No, wait. Oh, not... the CBS... Uh, the CBS website even has the songs that they play on various programs you can listen to. Is that like theme songs? Yeah. Well, they play songs in the background. Like in different episodes of different programs. Oh, I see. So to establish were... it a year. Let me hold on. I have I've got my computer turned off here. So if you were to go to the uh... because uh, Last FM is now part of the CBS family. I didn't know that. Really? Yes, they purchased it not too long. Ago. I had no idea. I knew we bought CNET. Yes. Uh, CNET, which is a great website, by the way. Uh, I didn't know that CBS brought the, uh, bought Last FM. Yes, they have. Last FM really is the website. That's one of those websites of the future. Uh, let's see here. You've also got, I mean, and they, they archive a bunch of stuff here. They've got the bunch of archive, like Big Brother and, uh, let's see, um, Rockstar Supernova. Yeah. I think they've got every single Survivor Series archived here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Jesus. How did we even function without the internet? I was just, how did we even, I mean, how did we do anything? How did we watch television? How did we find out what was going on in the world? Well, I, I think shows back then were divided into different topics per hour because that's all the information they had. I guess. And they weren't able to, like, access things in real time, as we are. Well, somebody has noted that in Spanish they also say, uh, Dios mío, which I think is my God. So there's that as well. All right. Fantastic. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, I'm trying to pry myself away from this CBS.com because it's so, program website. Because it meets all of your needs, Tim. Is, it, Tim, is, it really is a, it's an all-inclusive website. Uh-huh. All right. Apparently, caramba, by the way, is a nonsense word. Uh, caramba comes from the Spanish interjection of I, which denotes surprise or pain, and carumba, which is an exclamation of disgust or surprise, but which has no actual meaning. So there you go. That's from Chad, 
Uh, so now we know. Now we're smarter than we were a few moments ago. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, movie star Mark Wahlberg, apparently that's what he's <laughs> referred to now. Still? Uh, oh, God, this is about that M. Night Shyamalan uh, thing. I still want to kind of see that. I know it got horrible reviews. Oh, man. Have you, watched, have you watched that extended trailer yet? Before you go to the... Really, here's the thing. Before you spend any money on it. Now, look, if you go and you enjoy it, fine. I'm sure, you know, whatever. And I won't hold it against you. He's made good films. M. Night Shyamalan's made a... You know, obviously Sixth Sense. He also made Unbreakable, which is a fantastic film. And his movies always look really cool. It's just the writing and the acting and the resolution. Uh, you should watch the like five-minute... Like, even the acting for the trailer looks crappy. Yeah, watch the five-minute extended trailer for The Happening. John Leguizamo is good. Everything else is unbelievably bad. And if you still want to pay money to see it after that trailer, then I give you my blessing. But I'm telling you, it it looks it just gives off a stink. I just saw. I don't know anything about the movie. And I don't know what happens. And oh, maybe spoiler, but I just remember hearing this one thing, like reading reviews about how there's this long sequence of Mark Wahlberg talking to a plant. Oh yeah, that's apparently the worst sequence in the film. By the way, yeah, that it's like the monkeys is, and the and the swinging on the vines in the jungle. Yeah, that apparently is like a like just a, a cringe-inducingly bad sequence. Here's Tim Riley. So movie star Mark Wahlberg has been accused of failing to pay a former bodyguard for four years of work. Why did he work for four years without being paid? Who would be guarding? What, against whom do you need to guard Mark Wahlberg? I don't know. Leonard Taylor filed a $20,000 lawsuit in New York's Manhattan Civil Court, alleging his former employer still owes him payment for work dating back to 2001. The lawsuit is the second Taylor has uh, filed against the star. In 2001, Wahlberg paid Taylor $5,000 in the court settlement, after the star was accused of assault. There's not much of a story there. No, there? <laughs> there really isn't. That's, that, that is just somebody who has an old story sitting around waiting to be filed, and they're using this M. Night Shyamalan film, which I guess opened not great, but I think it opened better than it was expected to because his last, like, five films have, like, just stunk up. The... Boy, did you see The Lady in the Water? Which is his last I movie. I hated that movie. It's one of the worst things ever made. Oh, my God. And that's kind of the thing. Like people be like, oh, it's the most beautiful movie ever. I didn't get it. I thought it was stupid. Everyone I it hates was boring. it. boring. No, no, no. The people who say that are just trying to convince you that they're smart. They're trying to be contrary. It's, it's overacted, terrible. And I really it's like It's terrible. And M. Night Shyamalan casts himself. He can't act, by the way. The, here's the thing about Lady in the Water with Paul Giamatti, who, quite, who I quite like. Mm -hmm. um, so, M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, do you remember watching Pulp Fiction and... Pulp Fiction is a nearly flawless film. Joni and I have these conversations all the time about flawless films. You know what stops Pulp Fiction from being a flawless film? The presence of Quentin Tarantino attempting to act. That's what makes it a bad film. He can act for about 90 seconds in Reservoir Dogs, which is, you know, he's close enough for jazz, as they used to say. Um, he can't act at all, and there's this long sequence in the middle of Pulp Fiction when... Sam Jackson and John Travolta are taking uh, the, the, the what's his name uh, Julius whatever the kids have the dead body over to, to to Jimmy's house to get rid of, and it's the Bonnie situation. Mm -hmm. I don't think you realize the potentially explosive nature of the Bonnie situation. And the, but then there's Quentin Tarantino going, and if she comes home, I'm gonna get divorced, and I don't want to get divorced. And it's like it's like listening to a plant try to act, um, and that's what derails that movie. When we get to the middle sequence of Pulp Fiction. I have to skip past that sequence with Tarantino because it's such bad acting. M. Night Shyamalan is in Lady in the Water where he acts even, I mean, it's even worse than Tarantino's acting, and then he casts himself. He casts himself as a writer who saves the world. I swear to Christ. He plays a writer who saves the world with his writing. I mean, it makes you want to hunt him down and stab him in the eyes. Um, so... This is apparently uh, just as bad as Lady in the Water. So, you know, I, oh, wait, here's somebody who's seen it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You've seen The Happening. 
Yeah. Is it's it terrible. really closer to the crappening? <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Yeah. It, it, it's not worth your money. Don't spend any money on that, Sarah. You will, you'll hate yourself after you say it. <laughs> well, should I? Would it be like a like a beer theater? Is it, or is it even bad for that? Like if it comes to the it's Baghdad? It's terrible. It's it's. There's a bunch of gore in it, and and the only part that M Night Shyamalan plays in it, he's on a phone. He says hello. Yeah, and I heard that the there's some killings which are sort of interesting and scary, but those are all yeah, the stuff in the trailer. Yeah, but that's about that's about it. And it's all the stuff that you've seen in the preview. It's terrible. Yeah. How bad is the How bad is the sequence where Mark Wahlberg is talking to a plant? Oh Jesus. <laughs> that's 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 uh, it all. The, he, he and Mark Wahlberg's not a bad actor, but it. It's terrible. Well, it's all, you know what it is? It's all about the director. And people wonder what directors do. Sometimes people say, well, the guy, there's a writer who wrote it and the actor's directing. What does the director do? Here's the difference. Look at Mark Wahlberg in, let's say, Boogie Nights or The Departed, and then probably look at him in this. Or here's a better example. Look at Natalie Portman in anything, and then look at her in the Star Wars prequels where George Lucas was, quote, directing her. Yeah. Uh, And she has to deliver just terrible, stilted dialogue. That's kind of what the the happening looks like to me. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Don't waste your money. All right, there you go. Thank you, my friend. Uh, That guy. So there It's just, I mean... If you see it and like it, who knows? I mean, you know, everybody's got a bad movie that they. I don't are believe the one that I will like. like. No, it looks overacted and terrible. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg with the huge, like, wide-eyed stare. Like, I don't understand. What is happening? All right. Does he have pin eyes? No. He, <laughs> he does this thing. He does the, actually. It's, it's no Jamie Walters pin eyes. He he sort of open. He sort of opens his eyes really big and he looks around and he keeps saying variations on the phrase like, "Well, somebody just tell me what's going on." And that's and that's it. Apparently, the only good thing in the movie is John Leguizamo, which is, you know, because he's genius. Uh, but I guess he's only in the movie for 12 minutes. Like, let's have this one good thing and then end it quickly. So, all right, here is Tim Riley with your news. We have a snuff watch. Here's your snuff. Really, a new one? Well, this is when. You oh, is this the one we discussed earlier? All yes. right, here's your snuff watch for uh, Monday in the Rick Emerson Show. Dan Winston was an Academy Award-winning special effects and makeup artist and film director, and he just died. He was 62. Maybe his death is some kind of an elaborate effect. He is best known for his work in the Terminator series, the Jurassic Park series, Aliens, Predator, and Edward Scissorhands. Basically anything, uh, if you're a dude, if you're a geek, any action movie you watched during the 80s, anything involving dinosaurs, cyborgs, or explosions in space, Stan Winston did all of that. Heartbeats, Aliens, Predator, Edward Scissorhands, uh, Terminator 2, Batman Returns, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park again. As uh, visual effects for AI, notable films, The Thing, Friday the 13th, Part 3. Yeah. Also, Terminator. Iron Man, by the way. Mon- oh, Monster really? Squad. Really? Yeah, no, he did Monster Squad, yeah. Uh, Interview he- with the Vampire, Congo, Ghosts, Battle Across Time, uh, Small Soldiers at Lake Placid, End of Days, Pearl Harbor, AI, Jurassic Park 3, or Darkness Falls, Big Fish, Terminator 3, Wrong Turn, Constantine, and... Last but not least, Iron Man. Uh, and I think he also did... Upcoming uh, films, Black Mountain, Aviator, Jurassic Park 4, Terminator 4, and The Suffering. I And I thought that he did... Uh, and I feel bad because we made fun of it. 
I think he did some work on Indy 4, the Crystal Skull. I think he designed the horrible skulls that we described as just being made of, like, saran wrap. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, the number of films, he's one of those guys that you don't realize. He's like Tom Savini. You don't realize how much of his work you've seen until, you know, unfortunately he dies. Uh, and then you just see the list. I mean, it, 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 I mean, he and Cameron... Um, you know, together did, so, I mean, so much amazing work. I mean, he just, created the suit for Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, just the stuff that he did between the years of, oh, I don't know, 83 and, and 2000. I mean, it would be staggering. Like you said, I mean, it's, uh, he did uh, The Terminator with Cameron, Aliens, Monster Squad, Predator. Um, I'd forgotten that he did Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. He designed, um, he helped design the dinosaurs and then all of the close up shots. Uh, of the dinosaurs, every time it's a mechanical dinosaur, that's all him. He did all of that stuff. So he really was responsible for a huge section of special effects that you have seen on the screen uh, over the last, you know, 25 years. He also did remakes of Earth vs. the Spider, How to Make a Monster, The Day the Earth Ended, ended, The She-Creature, and Teenage Caveman. Indeed. All right, so uh, there you go. Adios, Stan Winston. Godspeed. Uh-oh. Jobs in Hawaii are being outsourced to Texas. Yes, more than half of the McDonald's restaurants with drive-thrus in Hawaii are using remote order takers. People taking your order from a call center in El Paso, as in Texas. The operation requires special training for the callers so they can understand Hawaiian people. McDonald's restaurants in Hawaii started testing remote order takers in 2006. It began expanding the program statewide in 2007. Now they already uh, they already been doing that. I don't know if it was here. in Portland or not. Was it here where they where it's in Fargo, North Dakota? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a time when you would you go through a McDonald's drive-through, and you would you know the guy would oh my take your order plate, and it was a guy in Fargo, uh, which is just uh, crazy. Uh, I mean, whatever. I mean, you know, their business they can do what they want, but it's just it. I mean, I guess they must be saving money, but I mean, it, it just—it seems—it just seems so. I would imagine that the the the, the uh, what do you call it—the the technical infrastructure to make that work mm-hmm. uh, would just be would just be daunting to say the least. These Texans have taught a few Hawaiian words, such as the use of aloha. Or is that? Aloha? I think that's aloha. <laughs> by the way, isn't that aloha the place where aloha that <laughs> where people go to expose themselves at the? Uh... I don't even know what we're talking about now. Well, there's that big play, uh, uh, big lots. We had a story about big lots. Yeah, I don't think it's the whole town of Aloha. I don't think people are. I don't think it's just like nothing but penises when you go to Aloha. I, no, it's people from Vancouver coming down to Aloha. Or is it Aloha? <laughs> what should we do? Today? Let's go expose our, our junk in Aloha. Aloha. And you see now I'm doing that's it. That's because that's Aloha. And then it's Aloha. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. So what happens if this McDonald's is in Aloha? Did they say Aloha or Aloha? Anywho, let's, let's move on, shall we? Sure. Are you done with the McDonald's story? Of the 50 Hawaiian McDonald's restaurants, 31 are using this new technology. And Texans. What is that noise? Oh, it's a dog barking. All right, it's a muppet. All right. It's like gagging on something. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent to the Stars. Good afternoon, Rick. Hello, sir. Hello. How, how are you, my friend? 
Uh, pretty good. Pretty I was. Good. Uh, how is life? How are things in in the world of Bob Costantini for you um, personally? Relatively busy, yes. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, big doings here in Washington, and that kind of, that kind of thing, and the political campaigns and and, uh, uh, and what and everything else and what yeah. all right uh so here's here's a, a really really dumb question for me to ask because everybody's either with the, with the tim russert um everybody has has said that it was out of the blue but i mean is that is that really true there was no indication at all that this was sort of happening there's nothing it, did it really sort of just come out of nowhere seemingly well um i will say this the um autopsy results and what his doctor uh, statements that his doctor had made um, indicated that there may have been some indications clearly uh, that he was having uh, heart issues, um, but they were not made public, and, and obviously uh, he is not necessarily a, uh, a public figure as far as politics is concerned or anything like that. Um, but uh, it, w it certainly was quite a shock when everyone in Washington heard about it on Friday. I mean, that is... Uh, but but, but it, it just wasn't... It's not the sort of thing that you would necessarily, uh, you know, put out a news release and that kind of thing. It just, it's one of those things that... It sounds wrong to say we took him for granted, but you know it, but you know what I mean, where you just sort of... He was just such a fixture that you just sort of figured it was, you know, it was like death and taxes and Tim Russert uh, on Meet the Press, and you just sort of assumed he would kind of be there. Yeah, he's not. He wasn't a public official. That's the thing I was trying to, I guess, uh, search for there for a moment. Uh, he was a public figure, well known, uh, generally very well liked here in Washington. The, the sort of guy who would come up to you um, at a dinner and put his arm around you and just say hello and see how you were doing, even though you really didn't dwell in the same uh, dinner circles or party circles as the, he did. Um, but always, always very willing to listen to what you had to say for uh, a little bit. You know? This really screws NBC, though. I mean, because uh, because not only just with Meet the Press, but I mean, he didn't he kind of run their whole political coverage operation. I mean, wasn't he sort of the guy? Well, he was the uh, bureau chief here in Washington, and as such, uh, wielded considerable power in terms of the uh, overall tone of the political coverage. Um, uh, their uh, Political director now is Chuck Todd, um, whom I've known for a few years, um, and uh, is a relatively capable kind of person. But Tim Russert was also the face of, um, of NBC's political coverage, by and large, because he'd appear on the Today Show, he'd appear on the Nightly News, he'd appear on just about anywhere uh, he was asked. And, of course, his host of Meet the Press, uh, that kind of thing. You have to wonder, I guess, how much he, he did in terms of running the Bureau day-to-day. -day. But uh, uh, by and large, he, he had a, a clear say as to, uh, you know, how political uh, coverage went down. And, and so it'll be interesting, um, uh, needless to say, and I, I hate to sound crass about this, if you will. No, no, no. So this is the but, place for crass. Well, no. <laughs> it's just that um, NBC is going to have to decide uh, relatively quickly uh, whom to – to whom they will give the position of hosting Meet the Press because we are in the thick of a presidential campaign. Well, that's that's the months. thing, and that's sort of the real the real damnable misery um, about uh, about Tim Russert. You know, the thing that uh, you know, whatever whatever one believes about the you know whatever happens when you, when you die, there is you know a lot of discussion about how that that is the thing that would really vex him is because he was so into uh, this year's yeah. political coverage. And as you said, it's just I mean, it's like of all the times to lose the guy who was sort of the linchpin of yeah. your political coverage. This is this is not uh, that time. Have you heard this? I shouldn't even say this. Did you? There was some story in the New York Times today that. 
This is where you wonder if it came from her or from her people. Some story that, well, you know, Katie Couric has been thrown around as the person to host Meet the Press. Let me encourage NBC now, if you're listening, that that's a great idea. It's a wonderful idea. She really ought to be doing that. She ought to be doing that right now. Um, I I hadn't heard that, and um, but uh, I will say it's more than likely. And again, I I almost hate to keep bringing this up because the the memorial service, the wake, is going to be tomorrow. Um, but there has been speculation, needless to say, and it's a, a kind of a, a, a morbid parlor game going on here in Washington, uh, that uh, David Gregory or Andrea Mitchell uh, might very well get that position. They both have substituted um, for uh, Russert in the past. Um, it is, uh, I would consider it kind of a long shot that Chris Matthews would get it, even oh, though oh God, his no. Sunday talk show actually does very well as far as ratings are concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a syndicated program. No, they have to get what you have to get, get to Chris Matthews. You have to get like a spit guard for the camera, like one of those well, things that's on the uh, that's one of those things that's on the salad bar at Sizzler. I'll 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 leave it to the listeners to sort of uh, uh, consider their opinions of Chris Matthews, but uh, uh, that's uh, that probably is the the, uh, the pool right now that they are uh, considering. Uh, just this, uh, my news director Tim Riley just put it. Have you heard something about? Is it? Do you say that Al, it's Al Gore, Tim? That Al Gore is going to endorse Barack Obama? With... Uh, yes, yes, we're uh, we've got that information, and uh, uh, <laughs> you can consider it breaking news, I guess, if you want. Fantastic. But it's uh, not terribly surprising. He's going to appear. Uh, supposedly tonight uh, with Obama in Detroit. I think every time Al Gore appears anywhere from now on, there ought to just be a huge, like he ought to be backlit with just massive spotlights, and then the Superman sound ought to play. Just for no reason, he just ought to just, you know, stand up there just and, and uh, you know, and just sort of greet the crowd like the cover of John Carpenter's The Thing, where he's just got a huge light beaming out from behind him, and then just Christopher Reeve's music plays for him. I, I, I don't know why anyone's terribly surprised that Al Gore would now be endorsing Barack Obama, but it's... it's uh... really stepping out on thin ice there. He's living on the edge, Bob. <laughs> yes. All right, my friend. Uh, enjoy what must be a very busy day for you to whatever extent yes. you can, and we will talk to you soon, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Bob Costantini, ladies and that, um, and you were saying Lester Holt just now, actually, and uh, I saw that article this morning. They're like, Katie Couric has been thrown around. As a, I mean, just... That, I thought you were joking. No, that was in the New York Times. No. <laughs> she, she's much too valuable to CBS to even consider no. such a thing. <laughs> we can't possibly lose her. Um, the... Um, there was a, no, it was in the New York Times today. There was like, representatives from Ms. Couric could not be reached for comment, uh, but say that sources say that she's on a short list. So you know, whatever. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, let's have a penis watch, shall we? Here's a penis Take watch. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. This comes to us from, I'm not sure. Uh, a lawyer for a Lansdale man accused of raping a 13-year-old girl wants to have a plastic cast made of his client's penis. He uses evidence at his trial that he, well, to show that he didn't commit the crime. But pro- uh, prosecutors are firmly against it. Ronald McDade firmly against it, really? Is being held without bail in Montgomery County Prison. Awaiting trial on charges, he sexually assaulted a 13-year-old girl in his apartment. His defense lawyer, Marvin Gold, explained his reasoning behind seeking the cast. He said the client's penis 
is apparently extremely large. It occurs to me, given my client's size, it's unusual that there were no injuries. However, assistant DA... Uh, is this really his defense? Uh-huh. I'm sorry, my member is just so massive. If, uh, no, if I'd, uh, if I'd had relations with her, you'd know it. Well, they're trying to block a goals plan and would want to hear a medical uh, professional's opinion on the correlation between penis size and female genital injury. I do love... I, I mean, you have to wonder exactly how that conversation went in the room, though, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, there's the client and there's the, there's the attorney... And they're sitting there trying to figure out exactly what his, whether he did it or not, what his defense is going to be. And that they somehow arrive at the, the defense that his penis is just too massive. It is just, it's not like your earth penises. It's just too immense. It's probably, now, I couldn't even get it into the courtroom, really. Well, I have to do a cast. It's, uh, I couldn't, I don't even, I don't even fit in the door. All right. Well, there you go. That's your penis watch. your penis watch for... Take a look at my enormous Does it say how large? It doesn't, no. No. Large enough, Sarah. Take a look at my enormous penis. Everything is going my way. Let's see. What else do I have here? Uh, here's an observation. Here's something I wrote down to myself apropos of nothing while I was at the airport. Uh, seeing as you often do there, a fat, trashy woman wearing something with Tigger on the front of it. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, here's the thing. I have a question. Why is it always Disney clothes? I don't understand either. It's like Eeyore or, yeah. Oh, or Winnie the Pooh. So, uh, or Beauty and the Beast. Every now and again, you will see Warner Brothers, and it's always either Tweety or uh, or, uh, or Taz. But uh, I would say 98 times out of 100, it's Disney stuff. And when you think about how much... And, and, and people may think that I'm just asking this just to hear steam escape from my lungs. But really, I, I want to know if there's... I, w- I want like a study into this. Me too, like Be- the correlation between big, trashy people and Disney characters. And Disney characters. Totally. Because here's the thing. There it, aren't enough Elvis baby clothes available. <laughs> no, but my... But my thing was going to be... It's actually... But there's a thousand different cartoons out there. When is the last time you saw a fat, trashy woman wearing like a Flintstone shirt? Doesn't happen. No. Jetson shirt. Doesn't happen. Certainly Futurama doesn't happen. Simpsons doesn't happen. South Park, Simpsons. probably not. I mean, maybe, only maybe. because The Simpsons is so popular. But even then it would be like a Simpsons movie promo t-shirt that but they I, got. That's but like they got it on a radio station screening. Yeah, with like the giant like, donut with all crumbly all Totally. Um, it's all stained. Um, but, but I mean, 90, if I went to Google right now and type in like list of cartoons that exist, I mean, there's probably 5,000 cartoons uh, that have aired. Probably, I mean, all, all, if we really wanted to sit here right now, we could probably list 50 or 60 different cartoons that are popular that have saturated the cultural consciousness. But it's never any of those. It's always Disneyware. So my question is, what is the correlation between between like fat, trashy women and Disney shirts? Most specifically, is, you're right, like Winnie the Pooh. It's always Winnie the Pooh. I don't understand. Like, Winnie the Pooh doesn't even uh, happen in my head anymore. Like, I haven't thought about Winnie the Pooh since I was, like, seven. He just, he seems like a character whose time has passed, right? Mm-hmm. Seems like a character from yesteryear. But, Take a look at my enormous penis. Why did that just happen? Something I did? Is that Muppet? Did <laughs> that your dog? Muppet. Did your dog just play the penis watch theme? <laughs> what can your dog do? Well, he can roll over. What can your dog do? He shakes hands. My dog plays the penis watch theme. Bada bing. All right. Well, in any event, here's Tim Riley. He's a little threatened with a cast story. That that seems very strange. How did that even happen? He moved forward and his chin hit the the button. It was still over at the oh, penis watch. All right. They'll have to be spoken to after. Sorry about that. Tim Riley. After the program, there'll be okay. a brief meeting. <laughs>
Attention all you businessmen out there and business ladies, beware of Blackberry Thumb. Yes, Blackberry Thumb is due to the popularity that this particular model of wireless personal digital assistant, known as a PDA, it's due to uh, repetitive stress injuries that occur because these devices rely almost exclusively on the use of your thumb for typing instead of your finger. Okay, is that this true? is an, uh, first of all, is this a story from 2002? Second of all, this seems it's like brand an, new. This, but you know what they say? It's brand new to it's you. It's from Health Day News. You, you know the thing is, this is a story that's been sitting in a file, and they were wait, and this is like the copy editor got drunk and didn't come to work today. And I don't know what have we got. I don't know. Uh, look in the ever because all news organizations have evergreen. You know, like an evergreen pile, right? An evergreen stack of stories. And talk show hosts, I, I suppose they still do this. I used to do this when I was sort of eight, when I would do, like, topic-driven shows. And you just have a stack of stuff you can go to when in doubt. Uh, you know, just, I don't know, do you roll your toilet paper over or under? Here's our phone numbers, you know, and then people will call in or whatever. That's what this is. Because Blackberry Thumb, I mean... Must you type it? Why can't you use your finger? Well, you can, but it's inconvenient. It's not set up to do that. It's, do you um, use your thumbs? Yeah, because it's... It, it, because... Well, the reason you use your thumbs, Tim, Tim is, Tim's miming how he imagines one types on a BlackBerry. Do that again. How do you imagine? Well, that's like you're casting a spell of some kind. That's it's, Tim. Tim is like, you know what you're doing? <laughs> you know what you're doing right there? You're doing the Bella Lugosi double jointed come to Dracula thing at Vampira. You must be double jointed well, and I Hungarian. Am, I am double jointed. You know that. Are you double? Ah! Wait, let me see. Wow! Oh! Oh, right. how do you do that? I'm double-jointed. We can do the other one, too. <laughs> That's freaky. Dude, we've known each other for years. You see, there's still, still some secrets left. You are, uh, Tim, you are an endlessly unfolding... No. What's a thing that peels? An onion. We have a lot of stuff, Tim. I'm an unfolding onion. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be... I no I'm having that, that liner cut for you. He's an unfolding onion of news. Hold on. Tim Riley, unfolding onion. I'm having Max voice that tomorrow. Unfolding onion. You know, I, I was just wondering if somebody, what would you be typing on this thing? Letters? Or? Well, we'll get to that in a second. Here's a dumb question. Please forgive this intrusion into discussions of your physique, Tim. When you're double-jointed, are all your joints double-jointed? Like your toes? No. So it's just hands? Is it I, both of your hands? I knew a yes. kid in high school who claimed to have uh, double-jointed my, my knees. Bones, my bones do crack more than the average person. <laughs> if you if you hit me, do no, my bones not crack. If you cut me, do I not bleed? So, uh, But I went to school with a kid in high school who claimed he had double-jointed knees. Is that possible? I suppose that's Claimed possible. his knees would bend a little bit the other way. Mm-hmm. I think that's possible. I think it's... Isn't it possible with any joint? I don't know the answer to that. I'm not double-jointed in any way, I don't think. Nope, I'm not. So how do you find out if you're double-jointed? Like, does a doctor tell you? No. Uh, I mean, you just do things to scare your younger siblings, and you just come across certain things. <laughs> Look at my hands. They're broken. <laughs> That's true. Seriously. So that is, so right now, when you, you you really were doing the double-jointed Hungarian vampire spell just now. Yeah, I can do that. Well, wow. Um, so when Tim was demonstrating how he believes BlackBerry typing to work, he was doing, like, the Dracula one-arm extended, you know, like, Abracadabra, like hand jiggle. That's what you were doing just there. It's very visual. So here's the mm-hmm. thing about, um, here's how you type in a BlackBerry, Tim. Um, 
Trying so to you're find, typing emails. Trying to find something that is, uh, well, let me fold this piece of paper and demonstrate. Because nothing spells uh, Hume decor, Tim, like demonstrating on the air how you type on a Blackberry. With a folder so, with so, a piece so, of paper. So an employee send you, uh, board up sends you an email saying, uh, my head's just been run over by a motorcycle and I'll be <laughs> unable to run the board okay. tomorrow. So let's pretend this is the Blackberry. The Blackberry, yeah. You hold it like this. Mm. Fingers go on the back. Thumb is here. Here is the keyboard. Why do the fingers go on the back? Because, well, but see, that's well, is it kind of like this then? Is it like... It's like that. Yeah, see, it's like that. So with Sarah's yeah. LG okay, or whatever. So your whole, oh, I see. Because, because, to point with your, because if you were going to use your finger, you would have to do this, and it would... Couldn't you put it down on the desk? Well, but see, even then, though, you can't oh, be doing that, because then it's going to wiggle... Well, because it'll wiggle around. How about if it has suction cups on the bottom? <laughs> well, this seems like a lot of work. <laughs> All right, look. Well, <laughs> what if it's no, made out of lead, <laughs> and I glue it to a surface so it can never move? That's just... Then, then you're just typing on a typewriter. That's just a keyboard. Then you're at your computer, Tim. Okay. If you're going to go to the trouble of laying your BlackBerry down on your desk and suction cupping it, maybe you should just move six inches to the left and well, type on you your keyboard. You know that somebody's going to invent that. Well, you know what they have invented? A little, uh, a little no-slip rubber grip they that goes the on the back. They do have condom on it. Like, like, they wrap it with that weird, like, Well, there's that, too. Or, or just, like, a rubber stick. Like, a, it looks like, it's like one of those shower uh, flowers. They wrap it in a condom. <laughs> this conversation doesn't make any sense. So we're trying to get the BlackBerry not to slip. Is that the object of this? So you can answer an email that somebody has urgently sent you. But the point is, though, you have to type with your thumbs and then your fingers on the back to provide leverage. Do you get BlackBerry thumb fatigue? No, no that's one what does. That's the story. But about. I mean, that's made up, though. No one does. And even let's be, and that's a story from like BlackBerry's been on the market for like ten years. That's a story from years and years and years it ago. Can it can cause tendonitis. It can't. Well, maybe it can, but it caused tendonitis. That's just. Then the story is true. That's a story from a decade ago. That's a that's just an old ass story. Yesterday. And let me also say this: you know what that story is? That is just the recycling of Pac-Man wrist or whatever. What did you when you got Space Invaders wrist and there was something else like Pac-Man elbow, which was just tennis elbow. These stories are all just variations on tennis this elbow. This causes pain and numbness to the thumbs, and it shows some lady getting a massage because of it. Where did you find the story? Because I'm finding it archived from back in 2004. That's see. This is brand new. USA Today, BlackBerry Thumb. That's BlackBerry a, users learning a painful lesson. Sunday, June 15th. What year? This year? It doesn't have a year. Uh, see? It was just put out today on MSN. <laughs> Sarah has fitness. found the same story from four years ago. That somebody's in trouble. Proposing the story. Somebody story showed up late to work, and they said, what can we recycle? I don't know. Um, smudge the date off of it. At MSN and their archives, November 13th, 2006. Sounds like a case of BlackBerry Thumb. I guess the person who was supposed to write this had Father's Day off. Mm -hmm. So a girl who had to work in his place. (laughs) (laughs) I like how it has to be a girl. Because it's it's slipshod work, so it had to be a woman. That woman Blackberry. The the father who usually writes these stories had Father's Day off. Whatever. It's it's, it's dated yesterday for Sunday. So a woman who was not a father was filing this story. Does that make more sense? No. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey, uh, the reason you see so many fat people in Disney clothes? Yeah. Okay, every mall has a Disney store. That's true. Every store has a 30 to 50% off bin where all the shirts are XL and above. Oh, that is true. All right. Uh, you know. I can see uh, that. You know, it's just economics. Yeah, you know, and it's probably a woman because her – don't you have to, like uh, – Angle your thumb at a weird angle if you have nails to use your BlackBerry. That's it. Sarah, you don't have really long nails, but no, I wonder I how that my works. Nails. It, it is a pain in the ass. It totally is. And it's hard to type. And you're right, because the keys are so small anyway. You know, you could become so wealthy. They make some 
thimble-like device to put on your nails? I was just going to say, you could become wealthy by marketing some sort of a nail-saving device for girls. A nail thimble type thing? Well, seriously, because a lot of girls, many girls of a certain age, I would imagine, have long, sort of fancy nails. How How do they do that? Blackberry thimbles. It's very inconvenient. I remember I would be trying to, I'd try to type on one button, and my nail would hit the one above it. Yeah, invent, invent something that's got a little button on it. It just slips over your thumb so you could just type Seriously, it and because here's the thing. They don't even need to use it. All they need to do is think they'll use it to buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll buy that. Then it goes in a drawer. They never use it, but you've already got their $6. Okay, I'll patent it tonight. Thank you. Yeah. I wasn't Bye. talking to you. I was talking to Sarah, but that's okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> Show. Hello. How are you doing? Hey. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have Blackberry thumb, but I have Envy palm. I have an NV, too. Is that, do you mean like pressing against your What is, your what is an... Uh, this is an NV. Oh, I thought phone. he was making, I, I thought he was making some sort of a phallic joke. No, no, no. I thought never, it was an L, is it, uh, What is your thing? I thought it was an LG, or is that the brand? That's it, yes, yeah, an LG LG is the brand, NV is the phone. It's very convenient, but you get, um, the, the camera lens kind of sticks down and it's a little irritating. But yeah. aside from that, I just love this thing. You guys today, best show ever. You're cracking me up. Thank you, sir. You bet. Bye now. It always happens that we don't try very hard. <laughs> it's true. I'm just, we're, we're just giving the minimal <laughs> effort today. We really are. We've had really no it in. substantive discussion. I'm saying you're trying to figure out how you get Envy Palm. I don't get it. I mean, yeah, we've discussed nothing important. I mean, there's, nothing has happened. You, That's for other stations. Really. Would you like to know some of the unimportant things I haven't gotten to yet? Yes. I have I a stack of them over here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Here's what I got. I got, uh, I got uh, a funny observation about the Pimp Squad. A tacky thing that I saw for sale in a store, or um, uh, a sort of high concept topic uh, that emanates from what I did last night before going to bed. No. Do you want to hear any of those things, or should we wait? Any of them or all of them? We actually need to break. Damn. Damn. We're going to interrupt all this high quality discussion that we're doing here. Well, all right. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back more from Tim Riley. Top five. Top five songs from March eighth, nineteen eighty six, for no reason. Uh, later on, Peter Carlin. Uh, High Concept Monday, uh, perhaps. Let's see, what else? Yeah, I got some other stuff, but I don't want to tease anything. All right, back after this, here's Run DMC. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Do you have something about, um... Do you have something about Susan Atkins getting out of jail? I don't. Aaron just sent me a story, because he knows I got a whole thing for the Manson girls. So he sent me this thing about Susan Atkins purportedly getting out of jail. Hmm. But I, uh, I don't see anything about that. Looks like she's asked to be gotten... Let's just, She's asked to get it. I think they've all asked uh, to get out of jail. I don't really know that asking equals getting. I mean, everybody except for Charlie himself continually asks. Charlie just asks to be, you know, to be, to be, to be put back. Just asks to be put back and to not have to go bother himself with parole hearings anymore. Anyway, well, we'll look into it. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Toyota is from the Ministry of Truth. This you know, the funny thing is, was that Muppet? I knew that was going to happen. I'm supposed to play that. Yeah, no. It's, uh, I, as soon as I said, here's Tim Riley, I sensed a train wreck was going to happen there for some reason. I just, I saw it coming, but was powerless to stop. Maybe we're just out of practice. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's happening here. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, Toyota is struggling to keep up with the booming demand for its hybrid cars because it can't make enough of batteries that are the key part of its green cars. 
The crunch is likely to remain for the rest of the year, as battery production can't be boosted until next year. Why don't they hire more people? That's crazy, Tim. Hybrids are selling so well, we're doing what we can to increase production. Say the uh, Japanese, we just need new lines. Battery production is critical in determining how many hybrid vehicles it can produce. Well, that would make sense. Uh, we're talking about the top-selling Prius. Apparently, it offers better mileage and comparable gas-only cars by switching to an electric motor whenever possible. Toyota leaves the world's automakers and hybrids sold at least 1.5 million since the first mass-produced hybrid Prius came out about a decade ago. They now offer other models in a hybrid version. I don't know which those are. I see that Prius all over the place, though. Including some small cars I didn't used to see. Like, you know, Chevrolet makes some little tiny car. Are these are, are the other uh, sort of hybrids all sort of playing, like, if not second fiddle, like fifth or sixth fiddle, though, to the Prius? I would imagine. Would so. you say I the, see the Prius everywhere. The, the Prius at this point does seem to be the sort of universally agreed upon. It, it's the iPod of, uh, you know, of, of hybrid vehicles, right? It's, it's the one that's just has sort of gotten all the market share. For reasons that I don't really know, I'm not saying it's a bad car. I'm just saying I don't, I don't really know what makes one hybrid better than another. It's less ugly than you might think it is. <laughs> I suppose. It looks better than that stupid Insight thing they were trying to sell for the longest time. Oh, here's I was looking at some of these. The Chevy Avio is one I rented a long time ago. Uh, Avio, A-V-E-O? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I never heard of it until I rented it. No, no, that's a tiny car. The, the thing it's is only 10000 bucks. Yeah, the selling point of that car is it's small and it gets insanely good gas mileage. I mean, even just the regular, like the non-hybrid, the regular gas-burning version, I think, they have, it gets really, really good gas mileage. But again, it's not, it's not because of any sort of cleverness. It's just because it's tiny. So. Oh, they still make the Vet. Imagine that. The Corvette? Yeah. For who? Is not a ladies? No, I'm thinking of something else. Corvette's still a no. But the Corvette is a ladies' car. No, you're thinking a ladies' car. No, no you think of the Camaro, uh, which they used to make and they don't anymore. No, the Camaro I, was. We've had this discussion on numerous occasions. Well, we had this discussion once with Dennis, and I think this is one of the times when Dennis was just first starting to come on the show, and there was a whole thing about it. But I don't think I think we were both right though. Hey. It's a long time ago that we had this discussion, but I think we were on opposite sides of defense. But I think we were sort of both right because I guess it depends on. I can't believe Tim and I are having this conversation. What kind of what year Corvette or Camaro you are talking about. Because if you are talking about a 60s Corvette, like a Stingray, mm-hmm. that I would say is a guy car. I mean, you know, women could drive it too, but I mean, it typically thought of as a guy car. Well, this new one's 430 horsepower. Why would you possibly... What are you going to do with that? Never mind. It's um, 73,000 bucks. So, but if you're thinking of like a Stingray, that I think is a guy car. But you know what? Any Corvette made past, I would say, 1980, to the best of my knowledge, those are all chick cars. That's an app, like the Corvette, the, like the uh, the whatever, the scoop hood Corvette or whatever that you, that you saw where it's like the hood was like 50 feet long and like the cab is real small. And that's a total girl car. Um, it, the Camaro, but see, the Camaro's a guy car, too. If you watch Better Off Dead uh, and John Cusack had, the car has sat in an automobile cocoon on my front lawn, Lane. That, and then he gets um, uh, Monique, Monique. The hot exchange student who comes and fixes his car, and he rolls that car out of the garage to the John Lee Hooker song or the Muddy Water song. That's a that's a Camaro. That's the, that's a that's a completely manly car. I would say that Camaros became really trashy over the last twenty years, but I would not say that they became girl cars as. Such. I would see when I think of a Camaro, I think of a trashy like a not, not a trashy per se, but like a like a lady driving it. Hmm. Well, I don't really know. Perhaps this is a thing that can't be known, like the meaning of San Diego. There's a there's no way to know it. Uh, Five points, Rick Emerson. That's what I'm talking about. That's funny. Right. Wow, it's his first day yes. back. Timely, because I just came back from San Diego, too, mm-hmm. so it's like a thing inside a thing. Here's Tim Riley.
Somebody might care that Tiger Woods has just won the 2008 U.S. Open. Uh, Marvel's incredible. Is that the extent of your story? Yes. Can I tell you this? Here's here's what an idiot I am. Um, here's how easily amused I am, Tim, as though you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Laura and I were sitting um, sitting at the San Diego airport uh, yesterday, and we left. By the way, I've learned this is when we first booked our trip to San Diego, from which we just got back. Uh, she felt really bad because she had inadvertently scheduled uh, us to leave early yesterday morning. I mean, we flew out of San Diego at 6.50 yesterday morning. Uh, and she felt really bad about it initially. She's like, oh, I feel bad. I screwed us out of a whole day. You know, I we could have stayed and gone home Sunday night and had a whole other day, you know, at the beach or whatever. But, you know, in retrospect, we realized it was the right thing to do because uh, we, we were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Got up Sunday. We're in the air by 6.50 in the morning. Got back here by 9, back home by 10. And by 10 o'clock, we were at home, and we had a whole day, and it was almost like the travel hadn't happened. Like, we were so tired for the flight that it was like we just apparated here. It, was, it wasn't even like we had to travel at all. And then we had a whole day here, and we realized that the other thing is, if you're on vacation, especially someplace like the beach, and you're flying out at 4 in the afternoon, that day sucks anyway, because you're walking around the whole day going, oh, we got to leave. And you're trying to, like, pack it, like, we only got four hours and nine minutes left. We gotta, Let's have fun. Fun. Now. Now. You know, and you're just trying to cram it all in, and it's it's not enjoyable. So we've learned that flying back really early in the morning is the way to go. So we're sitting there at the uh, San Diego airport at like 6 o'clock, just, you know, hating our lives and just uh, drinking coffee. And they only have one outlet to plug in electrical things. You're always fighting for that one spot. Completely. Yeah, the San Diego airport sucks. It really does. I really don't. I love San Diego, but that that airport blows. It's put together so badly. I don't think I've ever been there. Is it smaller? It's just, it's small and it's inconvenient. There's it, there's only one place to plug things in. Only one place to plug things in. Only one place to eat, and that place is Starbucks. Uh, it's just, the, the Portland airport is so great in many ways. The Portland airport, and you know what the Portland airport has? Lots of outlets. Yeah. My plane was deli- uh, delayed on Thursday, and you know what I did? I sat down in the corner, I put, and I am that, I'm unashamed at the airport. Uh, they were like, delayed two hours. I went over, it found like a sort of uh, pillar, you know, up against the window, Put my bag down. I full-on stretched out, put my head back on the pillow uh, of my, my bag like a pillow. Sat there, read a little bit, answered some email, listened to music. And right there was like a whole row of outlets. Plugged one, my BlackBerry into one, my uh, MP3 player into the other. So they were charging, so I wasn't using battery power. Totally great. San Diego, can't, this is no place. It's jack, jack squat uh, in terms of places to plug your stuff into. So we're sitting there just doing nothing. Not wanting to pay $4 for a bagel at Starbucks. And... So there's, there's the whole group of just, like, really sort of, uh, I mean, just, like, a, just a bunch of, like, old white people that looked like they came directly from a country club. Like, they were beamed into the airport right from, like, uh, you know, uh, right from, uh, like, a cotillion somewhere. And, of course, what were they talking about? They were, of course, like all old white people, were talking about Tiger Woods and what a great job he did, like, hitting a ball with a stick. And, you know, because, which which I think is, you know, because it's, because it's golf, so they're obliged to talk about it anyway, and they love talking about Tiger Woods because then they can look inclusive. You know what I mean? They can talk about, no, 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 I love that Tiger Woods. And so there's these wrinkled white people are sitting there talking about uh, golf, and they're talking about, well, did you see Tiger? He really hit that uh, He hit that shot on the 18th. Boy, it was really impressive. And then the wife is chiming in with her stupid, oh, I know, it was really incredible. Bill just jumped out of his seat when it happened. Yeah, and it's just you're just sitting and you're just looking at them. Wouldn't wondering if you like if you think hard enough, like will they burst into flames? You know what I mean? Like you're sitting there going, "What if I stare at them? If I can make their heads explode like trancers style?" Um, 
But here's what I'm more on. I am. So I hear this whole conversation, and then I'm here today, and I'm going in to use the restroom, and you walk by the the uh, uh, the, uh, the the room back there where all the processing is, and there's the television. And what are they showing? They're showing a recap of Tiger Woods and like other guy uh, battling it out. And I sat there like a moron as they're doing. They were literally doing this thing where they showed you the resolution of each hole, 15th hole. 16th hole, 17th hole, and I sat there like an idiot in the hallway and waited <laughs> all the way onto the 18th hole so I could see the big shot. And, you know, I mean, I guess it's sort of impressive in the sense that it's a guy hitting a ball into a hole. Hooray. Uh, you know, and then I went, uh, okay, and then I was done. So, I just don't get that worked up about sports. And, it's, and I just look at it like these people are talented, yes, they're and they're just, like, super rich. I don't know. Like, I don't feel... I don't ever feel a connection with a sport. I, uh, golf, I mean, I know I'm probably speaking to any number of guys who golf, and you know, whatever. If you like to golf, golf away. Uh, but it's just, uh, there's just something, it's it's not even golfers. Like, that's the thing. I don't really hate golfers as such, any, you know, any more than I hate anybody else. But you know what? People who are really, really into golf and sit around discussing golf, they just I just want to punch them all in the face. I just don't know why. Uh, maybe it's like some sort of a clash thing. I just, uh, and especially just the, like the idiot woman just uh, sitting there, just who clearly has nothing to contribute to the conversation, but knows that she's supposed to love Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. and that it's like you know the Tiger Woods is the guy that you're all supposed to love and talk about. And the, I don't know, and he's just he's um it's just amazing. He's just so young and so gifted, and you're just like you shut up, you just you know. And, I feel like she's just pretending to like it because her husband likes it. Totally. She wants to remain sexy for her husband. Like, <laughs> look, look at how much in common we have, baby. Oh, that's so awful. Ew, but you know it's true. I know so many people in my life who pretend to like things totally. just to have a connection with somebody else. That's the when in reality she's organizing a swingers party for the neighborhood. I was <laughs> that or that or he's just nailing his secretary on the desk every time you know, like the rest of the office goes out to lunch. I mean, that's the thing, right? That's that's her whole. I mean. It, well, anyway, whatever. Uh, what was I talking about? Golf. Oh, yeah, you're one line. So there you go. Blah, blah, blah. Golf. Blah, Golf. blah, blah. And that I was mean, supposed to be just it, one line. I mean, I guess it's maybe sort of impressive in the sense that, I mean, look, I got all kinds it is, of... Golf is it is an impressive sport when people can nail it, but... I've got, an, I've got a fundamentally useless set of skills except for this job, right? I've got skills that only really work here. Uh, and so... Well, we can do this at a golf course. But, I mean, this is sort of like verbal golf, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I guess, impressive... Not everybody could do it, but I mean, why would you want to? I mean, in what in what world, other than golf, is that skill use, useful? None, zero. And I would imagine that the ability to hit that ball into that hole doesn't probably translate. Like you find whatever Jack Nicholas or whatever you find, like best best golfer in the world. I would imagine that it probably doesn't translate. I would imagine you get Arnold Palmer or some guy. I don't imagine he's any better at basketball than the next guy. They probably only were. I would. I'd be curious to see that. That's a reality show I would almost watch. Where you get a guy who can really golf. Fuzzy Zeller, come here. And then you give him, like, make him play pool. Because if you think if you could golf, you ought to be able to play pool really well. But I bet he can't. So it, it is like the most narrowly defined skill. I'm always jealous when people discover their skills and they can exploit them to their full extent. Totally. And again, I have nothing against golfers. I have nothing. Mm. I have nothing. I really, I have nothing against Tiger Woods. I really don't. I mean, you know what? If you can, if you can make a jillion dollars and marry some hot Swedish bikini model, which I think he did, uh, by your ability to, as George Carlin says, hit a ball with a crooked stick and then walk around after it. If you can turn that into money, God bless you. Uh, it really is a thing. Where it, Tiger Woods is like so many bands. Where I don't have anything against them. I just make men more impulsive. Bikini is another... Really? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Bikinis and other sexy stimuli can make men more prone to seek immediate gratification, leading to blown diets, budgets, and bank accounts. Wait, bikinis lead to blown what? Uh, blown diets, ah. budgets, ah. and bank accounts. <laughs> this is a study from the Journey uh, Journal of Consumer Research. Men fondle T-shirts and bras, Wait. which were not being worn during the test. What? Stop. After touching these... Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> I have to sit down, and we're going to talk about this again. Okay, what? <laughs> a study shows women in bikinis make men more impulsive. KCMD Portland. The study detailed... Is this from the same group that did you that gave me the blackberries? That blackberries can be hard on your thumbs. No, this is from the Journal of Consumer Research. They're really telling you that bikinis make men act impulsively. Mm -hmm. After touching bras, men value the future less and the presence more. Wait. So do they give men... Bras. Was, was this a, a study where literally guys just sat in a laboratory and people handed them brassiers? Uh, and t-shirts. Okay. And bikinis. Okay. Uh, it wasn't that the men were simply distracted by their sexual arousal, which caused them to choose more impulsively. On the contrary, they exhibited uh, improved uh, cognition and creativity after exposure to sexy stimuli. The researchers conclude that uh, there is one common appetite system in the brain monitoring our desire for a host of pleasures from sweets to pretty faces. Alcohol and lottery winnings. This is pretty strange. Isn't I don't it? understand. I'm still trying to get past the fact that for the study, they just put a bunch of guys in a lab and had them fondle brassiers uh -huh, and T-shirts. Well, I was reading in the paper they're trying to get people to, to test that the flavors are different. Potato chips. Is that true? Yeah. Or just you had this. Uh, Where can I get some of that action? I I think it was in the Mercury. I saw a quarter page. Oh, but you know what? It's just I just started that stupid diet today, so I can't. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I can pass it off as work. Maybe I'm working. I'm mm -hmm. getting paid. All right. Well, that would explain a lot. Does that mean we can't have secret pizza in the, in the kitchen anymore? Yeah, well, I have to try to be good. Because it's to... declared with the appropriate form. No, that's uh, yeah, I have to, uh, I have to try to. So do... now there's no secret pizza. You're going to be medicated, which means you're going to be boring, and then you're going to be thin, which means I'm going to hate you even more. So uh -huh. like, yeah, but none of those things will happen right away. You're not going to be fun anymore. No, none of those things will happen for many weeks. You're going to be starving, which means you'll be cranky. There's going to be like another six weeks of me being unmedicated and fat. So. Live life to the fullest while you have it, Sarah. Enjoy the now. All right. Uh, the present. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break, because we're uh, right on time here. We can keep it that way. Here's Tim Riley. The Incredible Hulk was a box office bruiser over the weekend, yanking in $54.5 million over opening weekend, and laying to rest the stigma of his unappreciated big-screen adventure five years ago. The Hulk had a second chance, got angry, and came back with a vengeance. Uh, this was a big question mark. The film had a history or a checkered past. Ang Lee's Hulk opened in 2003 with a whopping 62.1 million weekend, but then rolled over and died amid terrible word of mouth. The movie uh, crawled to $132 million in sales, seemingly respectable, but hardly uh, meager enough for a huge first weekend. Marvel Studios financed the Incredible Hulk and Universal hoped that the new movie starring Edward Norton as a scientist who turns into the Hulk when maddened would have a longer shelf life and eventually top out with better numbers than its predecessor. I love the idea of the Hulk being maddened because in my head it's John Madden. I know. In my head it's like Edward Norton gets angry and then he becomes John Madden bursting through the uh, less filling tastes great thing. 
So it made $54 million over the weekend, whether or not that makes people happy or not. Don't. Wait. Hold on. Don't. <laughs> I don't know whether this is really funny or whether I'm just sort of sleep-deprived and jet-lagged. Number two is Kung Fu Panda. Hold on. Like oh. fast food, doesn't it? Don't. Don't. Don't don't Madden him, but then Ed Norton suddenly bursts. He turns into John Madden, and then he starts doing that CBS chalkboard thing. And right now, I'm going to burst through this building over here, and then I'm going to come around to the end over here, and I'm going to pick up this taxi cab and throw it over to the top to the back. Maddened. All right, I was just waggling my hands for emphasis. So you didn't see. <laughs> number, number three was a happening. Uh, number four, okay. don't mess with the Zohan. And Indiana Jones is all the way down to number five. What is this? There's a whole bunch of movies nobody cares about. Well, how, was, how did Sex in the City do? Oh, number I, six? Yeah. Number six? Ten million. Sex Iron, is six. Iron Man <laughs> is still number seven. The Strangers, I don't even know what that was. That's the movie I saw Sarah that. saw. All right, so wait. So number one is, is what? The Hulk? Yes, the Hulk. Okay. This story was number two is what? <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. I'm just listing of these movies because it seems like these are all movies that people will sort of kind of like, but not that much. I think Kung Fu Panda. Okay, fine. Yeah. What's the next one? The Happening? Yeah, see, these are all soft openings. I mean, these are all movies that are sort of liked, but not well-liked. Well, right. no, it, it's things that don't bother anybody that nobody's going to remember. Thing. It's innocuous. I mean, people got to remember how many milk duds they ate before they're going to remember the plot of any exactly. of these movies. All right. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. Peter Carlin around the corner. Uh, your phone calls. More from Tim Riley. And the top five songs from March 6th, 1986. Stay there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, thank you for coming along. All right, I'm unclear about whether we're talking to... Are we talking to Peter Carlin? I'm unclear about everything. I don't know anything anymore. I do not either. All right. Maybe I'll just sit and stare at the phone. Yes? Okay. We will be talking to Peter Carlin in uh, just one moment. Wait, hold on. i got to find his uh, sounder here. Uh, coming up later on, more from uh, Tim Riley at the uh, Ministry of Truth. Uh, we will also have uh, today's top five. For no readily apparent reason, uh, we'll be doing the top five songs uh, from March 8th, uh, 1986. You Did know? you just have some of the songs that you wanted to hear? Uh, no, I just sort of literally, I took that Billboard book, the Joel Whitman book, and I just opened it uh, to a random page. I do love the number one song. Um, I'm trying to remember the, what the number one song even is. Uh, don't tell me. I forgot okay. all about it. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Oregonian TV critic and general roustabout, Peter Carlin. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? You know, um, here's a word that I uh, just came across last night on the interwebs for no readily apparent reason. Yeah. And I realized that I'd sort of seen it a couple times but had never bothered to examine it. That word is factotum. Yeah. Which, uh, it, what would you, Sarah, do you know what a factotum is? I do not. What would you imagine it to be? I don't know, a factoid? See, I thought a factotum was like a, a book of some kind. I thought it was... <laughs> why don't you shut up? <laughs> you don't laugh at me, you bastard. What? Okay. Just Mr. I know what the word means. Yeah. All right. I had no idea. I thought a factotum was, uh, which I guess it comes from, I guess, uh, sort of like toting around a lot of facts. I don't know where. I thought a factotum was like maybe some sort of a, a compendium of information of some kind. But, you know, it's not. You know what it is? It's like an authority. Uh, well, or, wait, are you saying that's what it really is? Um, factotum. I think it's like, I think a factotum is like an assistant. Really? 
I believe a factotum is now I don't even know. Now I forgot, but I think it's like sort of like a like a like like a gal Friday perhaps. Uh I think is what the, Hold on, now I got to look it up. Factotum. A person having many diverse activities or responsibility, ah, or general servant. A factotum is a servant. Hmm. How weird is that? Not a book. Um, that's weird. It yeah, is you weird. Know what, you know what? We know what it mostly is. What? A word that that I just won't use at any given time because it's just a bit too lackey. Yeah, I just I just have no I don't know. Wait, is lackey really the word you weren't going to use? No, 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 no. Stooge? But, no. Minion? Oh, wait. Gopher? Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, uh, I I I I I don't like that word. I don't know what I would use, but that's not it. Gopher? No. Is gopher the word you won't use? Well, it depends on the context. What's the word you won't use? Depends on what the sentence is. Factotum. Okay. Oh, I see. Oh, factotum. I thought you meant that there was a, a synonym for it that you weren't going to use. No. All right. Okay. Well, in any event, that's what it is. Not a book. Not a book. Okay. No. Uh, uh, so we talked on Wednesday, and then I was gone, and blah, 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 and there's all this uh, crap happening, and Tim Russert's dead, and whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing about Tim Russert, though, is he does seem to be uh, unlike a lot of those guys, and maybe because he got into the game or into the public consciousness a lot earlier, or before the sort of foxification of the news, he, he doesn't seem to have a lot of the, um, pol- he doesn't seem to have the polarizing effect a lot of those guys do. Yeah, well, that's because he doesn't uh, spout off his opinions. Yeah, you know, but there's a lot of a lot of people who don't spout off their opinions who are still perceived as being one or the other and who are hated for no... Like my in-laws, for example. I, I mean, if you put, uh, uh, you know, a good example of that is like uh, is like Wolf Blitzer, who it, my in-laws are just convinced is like, you know, he's the mouthpiece of, of the, the liberal media. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a stooge for the bleeding heart conspiracy. It, when, to my knowledge, Wolf Blitzer has never put forward a slice of opinion uh, on television, always just news. Um, and so anyway, so Tim Russert was one of those guys that didn't, you know, he, he seemed to be sort of at least respected by everybody, which is not a thing you can say about a whole lot of folks in the TV news game at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, he always seemed to be way more involved in just the mechanics of politics and the politics were just the sheer love of, of the game. And I think that in that sense, that made him both kind of above that sort of partisan fray because he had it in for everybody. Um, but on the other hand, I think kind of made him in some respects um, a less than perfectly satisfying person to watch on TV because for all that he was well-prepared and for all that he clearly knew a lot about, uh, uh, you know, every aspect of of, of, of that, uh, that that terrarium or whatever you want to call Washington, D.C. Factotum. Yeah, that factotum. Um uh, it just, I always got the sense that he was, and, and, and even felt this looking at clips and, and going back through things when I was uh, researching, you know, to write a column about him on Friday afternoon, was that, you know, he was into that kind of gotcha question that uh, for the, just for the sake of, of doing it, you know. And there were times when he would you know, pounce on somebody and force them to, con- you know, and confront them with something they said or some scrap of something just because it was the most vulnerable point that they had. And it didn't matter whether it was actually relevant to whatever was going on in that, mo- you know, at, at, at that point in time. And to me, you know, part of that was, you know, perpetually um, confronting Hillary Clinton with, with the most embarrassing things about her right, husband, right. Of which there are, of course, plenty of opportunity. <laughs> many. It was what you call an, an opportunity or a target, a target rich environment. That's it, a target yeah. rich environment. Um, 
and you know, or 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 forcing John McCain, you know, confronting John McCain with a quote that seemingly opposed to the Iraq War and having him respond to it. And of course, he, you know, ripped it up and down and, and sideways and, and backwards and forwards until it turns out that though those were John McCain's words uttered about right. the conflict in the Somalia, you know, in the early '90s. And it's just like, okay, you know, yeah, that that seems a little more to the point. How can you justify this, you know, this this conflict while, you know, categorically denouncing this earlier one for the same reasons why people are denouncing this one? I think Barack Obama actually did. I saw him uh, interviewed on Saturday, and he was, uh, I think, in that Tom Brokaw thing they were doing for for Russert, and and Obama mentioned some. He he'd gone on Meet the Press, and like Russert had found. I don't know, like one sentence that Obama had said to like the Cleveland plane dealer, you know, like six years ago or something. Uh, and I mean, it was seemingly at odds with whatever it is he was doing now. And he was not shy about sort of taking that out and, and kind of shoving it right in your right in your face. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? What else have I missed? Oh, I uh, I haven't. I know you got a thing about um, Weeds today, which is that Showtime series, right? That's the Mary Louise Parker thing. Mm-hmm. Is that any good? Yeah, because you know, I really want it to be good because she has a little crush on me, and so I want for for that. <laughs> I mean, for that, just for her, for Mary, I want it to be a good show. And I've always been kind of afraid to watch it for fear that I would find out it wasn't very good at all. That's a really strange way to live your life. <laughs> I suppose that's true. I hadn't really thought about it that way. But <laughs> I guess I I didn't want to have, I mean, you know, I, I didn't want to have my heart broken yet again. I just, because it seemed like a cool concept, you know, if not tremendously groundbreaking. Because what is it? Is Mary Louise Parker, she's got... Well, she doesn't have a job or whatever, and so she just starts making money by dealing pot in the suburbs, but she's like an older mom or something? Uh, I mean, have I totally butchered the concept? Yeah, okay. basically. Go you ahead. have enough of the bare bones that it's kind of, you're, you're nearly close. But you, what you need is one of them weeds factotum type <laughs> devices, and then you could like read it and then figure out. Um, uh, what was I going to say? No, she was a, a widow. When the show began, her husband had just had just died. Okay. But she was a suburban housewife, so she didn't really have any particular skills and had no. And I guess there wasn't insurance, or there wasn't enough to cover their monthly nut. So it was like, oh wow, how am I going to make a ton of money? I have no particular marketable skills, and every job I can get is really unpleasant. And so she finds herself getting involved in this world of dealing pot. And and sort of and gets involved in that demi monde as we say, and so um, that's the plot of the show. It's a show that when I watch it, I like it, but then I find that then I stop watching it and I don't miss it. See, you know, I, I'm that way with a lot of shows too. And the, the examples I always sort of give are like uh, a lot of times it's comedies. It's for like the My Name Is Earl and the King of the Hills of the World, mm-hmm. where every time I watch either of those shows, I kind of go, "That was a great show. I had to start watching this more." And then it just never happens. Yeah, it just sort of doesn't happen. And then Showtime is rolling out. Because they've got the weeds, and then they're rolling out uh, the, which is the, uh, the, is it the secret diary of a call girl, secret life of a call girl? That's the one. Yeah, and which is another, that's another imported series, though, right? Didn't that start somewhere else? It's like a British thing? Yeah, it's a British show. All right. So, worth my time or not? Um, It's pretty good. Check it out. <laughs> it's a real, way to sizzle, Peter. Way well, I'm just, I'm thinking. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't dislike it, I re- and I wrote a nice review of it. But it's not something that I probably will be watching uh, over and over and over again just for fun. All right. Fair enough. Oh, by the way, we should note that uh, Tim Riley apparently is really into the Swingtown show. Uh, 
Really? I gotta watch your second <laughs> Listen to that. Listen to this sort of the explosive, like, the explosive, uh, contemptuous guffaw that just came out of you right there. That's fantastic. That was worth, that was worth the whole prize of admission right there. It's just to hear the snorting, derisive laughter that just came out of you. It was a bit, um, a little, I, a little heavy on the iconography to my, to, to my eyes. It seemed a lot like when they tried to roll out, I mean, there was that 70s show, which I thought, you know, however, however quality a program it may have been, it seemed to be sort of organically set in the 70s. Like it didn't. It, I mean, you know, obviously a little gimmicky, but it didn't seem to be. They didn't seem to be shticking it for all it was worth, as opposed to that 80s show, which I remember when that 80s show came out, and I sort of watched it just because I'm in that demographic, and so they did their marketing. You know, the the, the marketing sort of manipulations weren't just as planned, and I ended up watching the the, the pilot of that 80s show, and it really was just a conglomeration of references mm-hmm. onto which they had just put like the barest rudiments of a plot and yeah. sort of the swing town kind of seems to be sort of the same seems to be more of the same a little bit yeah you know but but it, there was a movie called dazed and confused yes there was yes and i do place exactly same like the exact same time that this series does and and the amazing thing about that and i lived through that you, you weren't. You didn't just read about it or watch it, Peter. You lived it. I participated in it, man. And and I'll tell you, the days and confused the way that the way their hair is and the way that you know the music that they listen to and the way the music is incorporated in it and just the clothes are so perfect. But it's like looking through a telescope back in time. It is days and confused is is very perfectly done in that sense. A perfect evocation of that moment. And yeah, the clothes are different. You know, like the people do look. Different. I mean, they look like people in the mid '70s, but it's not this. It's like the first thing you see in Swingtown is this guy who looks like like Harry Reams, you know, the big <laughs> '70s porn star. With That's the, the big... best reference ever. <laughs> He's got the big bushy mustache, wow. and that kind of that kind of just sort of decadent glint in his eye. Did you just name check Harry Reams? Yeah, were you down with that? Yeah, no, I mean, I love Harry Reams. Oh, well, that sounds really. <laughs> How do you like how do you like your reams, Harry? Um, you know what Harry Reams does now? Um, I'm, I'm going to guess that he's a born again. He is, of course, a born again Christian, but he sells real estate in Park City, Utah. Sweet. Yeah. So occasionally, if you're up there for like Sundance or whatever, if you're kind of uh, kicking around uh, Park City, you will see you will see him. It's selling tracts of land. Um, well, you know, it's, you know what also does that really well, and speaking of Harry Reams, if I can sort of bring it all together, is the movie Boogie Nights uh, by Paul Thomas Anderson, which, again, it, it's not, as he put it, it's not about, hey, look at the funny haircuts. Right. It is very much, again, just sort of organically set there. Well, yeah, it looks different, but it's not done. And it's a real fine line to walk because some of those fashions are sort of weird-looking and silly, and the, the clothes in every era are stupid to some degree. And it's hard to do that without making it look like a punchline. Another show that did that exceptionally well um, as somebody who lived through the 80s, uh, was Freaks and Geeks, um, uh, the Judd Apatow series. Yeah. And Freaks and Geeks was so well done. As you said, it was it was like the shock of self-recognition, mm-hmm. uh, as the saying goes. So, well, in any event. Um, by the way, I would like to uh, thank you uh, for, in your Thursday column, uh, where you rail on radio for never giving an outlet to people like Hayes Carl, uh, Hayes Carl for not at all mentioning that this program gave over 15 minutes to Hayes Carl. 
Yeah, I know, but I wrote the column before I was on the show to do that. Oh, I and see. And then the there was that lag time thing. All right, okay. It had had it been had you, that's why I wanted to do your show on the Thursday though you weren't around. I was not. I was uh, slacking. Don't blame yourself, Jack. <laughs> Does this mean now if you were going to mention because uh, you wrote this column Thursday about how radio sometimes uh does not fully embrace new or independent talent the way that they ought to or sometimes the way they claim they do. Mm. And uh, so since you were theoretically going to mention in the article that we embraced you and your love of Hayes Carl and Hayes Carl himself but didn't, does this mean that there's sort of like a Rick Emerson or AM 970 mention sort of held back that I can just have you insert in a future column of my choice? Oh, yeah, it's totally how it works. <laughs> so like the next time, I don't know, so like if you do a retrospective on Abe Vigoda or something at some point, I can just, like, call in the chit, as they say. Uh, can call in that marker and be like, okay, uh, it's time to pony up the reference. Yeah, oh, totally, so absolutely. Like, like, in the middle of nothing, you can do Abe Vigoda, da, 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 and then just, uh, you know, work in, like, three lines about the show and then back to the Abe Vigoda story. Yeah, I absolutely owe you big time. All right. Thanks so much. I'm picking up on your sarcasm. All right. <laughs> All right, my friend. Always a pleasure. I will let you get back to more important things now. Okay. Thank you. Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Reading in print on the Oregonian online at OregonLive.com. All right. We should take a break. Uh, back after this, Tim Riley in today's top five. Speaking of things from my ute, uh, top five songs from March 8th, 1986. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. where I just sort of speak, and then people just sort of, they fall asleep. Arch criminals fall asleep, and then I incarcerate them. Makes sense. The talker! With like a big T on my chest. Talker. That's what I'm saying. See, it almost, by the way, can I just say how cl- uh, how much I lobbied? I didn't really lobby that hard. But with like well, a... If we, if we like had, a, well, we could have that on the pack. What were you doing? Just, you were doing Tim's Blackberry gesture. Did you just put on makeup? Yes. Okay. Well, because I'm trying to get ready for a thing tonight because I have to I have to run home and then I'm going to ride my bike back down. No, that's fine. I thought I was just going crazy because it's like you looked one way a second ago and you looked over and you looked kind of different. I was like, now I'm like eh. a painted lady. Serious? I'm like, am I, is my vision going bad or is it somehow getting better? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, yeah. this is Tim Riley. Well, someone's going to be in trouble for telling tall tales. A man shot in the leg this morning in Canby, admitted to detectives. He accidentally shot himself in the trailer, and there was no burglary at his home, as first reported. 32-year-old Steve Robert Axt, that's AXP, was lifelighted and was uh, speaking to the cops when he said, well, he kind of just shot himself. Uh, forget about the woman who called 911 to report that two men broke into his trailer and shot him. Are you telling me that we passed along incorrect information? We passed along the information that was given to us at the time. Are you saying our news was not 100% uh, correct? I mean, it was correct to the best of our knowledge, though. That, that is. Well, then the information that's correct. Provided. That's, then it's correct. I mean, I can only believe so many lies. We, <laughs> as Glenn Close says in the movie The Paper, uh, we only have to be right then. We'll we be are wrong later. That the information provided to us was because someone lied. And therefore, we're trying to clarify that we repeated lies that someone else told. <laughs> but we did not lie. No, we did no, not we lie. Are we ourselves did right. not lie. Now, this woman who called 911 to report that two men broke into a she trailer. Lied. Right. She lied. Dirty liar. <laughs> and therefore, lied. this uh, this axed fellow could be charged with initiating a false police report. And he could get 30 days in jail and $500 in fines. They throw the book out. $500? $500. <laughs> 
Someone might have to go up to some, well, no, I'm not going to say no, that. No, I can already see where you're going with that. I'm not going to do that. That would be wrong, very wrong. <laughs> well, Joe Lieberman says he has no personal issues with, with uh, Barack Obama. <laughs> Despite the report that two had a heated conversation on the Senate floor, after yep. Lieberman criticized his stance on the Middle East. I have a lot of respect and affection uh, for Barack hurt Obama, me. so that any time I comment on anything that Senator Obama may say that I disagree with, it'll always be respectful and not personal. Lieberman says he just likes to whine. There's got to be a good discussion of issues. And people like me who have decided to support Senator McCain, others who support Senator Obama, have a real responsibility oh, to up. explain why we've chosen the candidate we have, but to do so in a way that's respectful to the other candidate. Yet he'll continue to be elected over and over again. I was just going to say, who votes for him? People in Connecticut. But why? He protects their interests. What interest do you have if you're in Connecticut, Tim? Martha Stewart, ask her. I, just, I can't even... Well, all right, whatever. I, I'm trying to get worked up about Joe Lieberman, and I just can't. I just can't. Uh, the northbound the lanes of I-5 are closed near milepost 129, which is between Sutherland and Roseburg. Seems a semi full of cardboard broke loose, and cardboard's all over the road. Traffic's being taken out the interstate and uh, detoured. Mm -hmm. No estimate. How long, how long is it going to take to clean up cardboard? <laughs> Two-minute job? You ought to go to this uh, illegal alien uh, site we just opened up here. I mean, a uh, place for day labor that the studio, uh, yeah, city paid $200,000 for, which just opened today at MLK. Did you ever see a soundbite uh, labeled, and it's labeled so uh, sort of like obscurely you can't figure out what it is? It's actually what, coming right? in a diplomatic pouch. Oh, that's what yeah. I forgot all about that. All right, here's Tim Riley. I think we're done for now. Should we do the top five? Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Fire. Counting is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count. Don't you? Don't you? Here's Tim Riley with today's Top 5. And as we spin the great wheel of time, join us as Countdown... Who wrote this? This is dramatically great. <laughs> Join us as Countdown. For no I wrote, apparent reason. <laughs> I wrote it this morning. I'm sorry. I wrote it this morning pre-caffeine. The top five songs of March 8, uh, 1986. <laughs> I'm sorry. Normally, you know, can we all, like, normally my writing is pretty concise. I was so proud of my Arrested Development when it wasn't a crappy band, before it was a good show and yeah. a crappy band. I, I wrote this this morning without any coffee. and. Uh, Rick, this is like not even like poorly written. It's like really punctuated. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. And then it ends. Well, and then it just ends. March 8, 1986. So we hope the signs are correct. But honorable mention going to Mike and the Mechanics and Silent Running. Okay, I have, I have a question about this. I what like the hell is this song about? Do you know this song? Mm-hmm. What is this song about? It sounds like it's about America being taken over by communists. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that wackily. I mean, really, that's what it sounds like. It's about a father's instructions to his son. Whoa. Maybe from a tornado. His parents arguing, and there's a kid upstairs looking at a picture. Listen, yeah. don't believe the church and state in everything they tell you. And there's that line. Channeling sticks. Totally. And there's that line later about 
pledge allegiance to the flag, whatever flag they offer. I, I don't know what this song is about. It's like a big top ten hit. No idea what the song's about. If anybody knows what the hell Silent Running by Mike and the Mechanics is about, please not a call and tell us. I've got to hear one more line here, just so you can hear how creepy this is. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make like any sense. Like high school kids dancing to this at their party. Just like yes. slow dancing. To God, the Father and the uh, it just makes no sense at all. We'll all right. I'm going to songmeetings.com. Tim Riley. I'm curious now. Can you me? Can you and it tells me nothing. Okay. Well. It's been for over 20 years, so why should we know now? <laughs> it won't be solved today, I suppose. It says here, remember the movie V, but I don't think it was in V. No, I don't believe so. Well, we're being lied to again. Uh, number five, Atlantic Star with two R's and secret. Let me, I don't know what you just said there. Uh, let's see. So It I, wasn't swearing. No, but I don't. But that wasn't the sign. No, that's the wrong. That's well, we my fault. I think I sent you the wrong link. I apologize. I'll find another one. That's okay. You know this? Isn't Where's this? Your first isn't this secret lovers? Uh-huh. I'll just sing it now. <laughs> Trying so hard to something, but the feeling. That's what we should do. Let's just interpret the whole top five. Well, here's the only thing I know about this, and by the time we find it, we'll have to move on to the next song probably. I'm trying to find Atlantic Star. Here's the 12-inch version. It doesn't matter how many inches. Yeah. Size doesn't matter. Let me see. I think I found Steve and Kayla, Secret Lovers. Wait, is this the version I've got? No. Atlantic Star with two R's. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This might be better. Wait, hold on. No, there's no way. Oh, this is it. Is this it? All right, sweet. Okay, here's the only thing I have to say about this song. We played this recently. Uh, no, we didn't. Why would we have played this? Well, something similar to it. Oh, well, we played a lot of things that sound like this. So, um, a friend of mine, one of my best friends in high school, I guess I shouldn't even use his first name Ralph. for this. Let's call him Ralph. So, Ralph at one point confided to me that... He confided to me that this was the song. I swear to you, this is real. My friend, uh, Ralph, was... Sleeping with his stepsister. Ew! I don't look at me. I'm just a jer- messenger message. And they were singing this to each other. No, but he's like, dude, this is totally. Uh, he's like, dude, I won't use her name, but let's call her Tammy. It's a name like Tammy. Well, there's that co- the cell phone commercial where the Secret Lovers theme plays. This is, but he, uh, his mom remarried, and uh, and the the new dad, his stepdad, had two daughters. And he and the eldest daughter, Marsha, Mar- Marsha, no, Tammy. Oh. So Ralph and Tammy were totally like getting it on. Uh, and he was like completely like, I don't think the parents knew about it, but he would totally tell me. He's like, yeah, so Tammy and I were totally humping it out. And I'm like, and at that point, I'm like, you know, she's your stepsister, dude. And he's like, I know, but she's so hot. And I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. And but then but he regaled me with a story about how they were like, making out or something on the sofa late one night and this song came on the radio and he's like dude and we just stopped making out for a second and we like looked right into each other's eyes same and this is with this we realized this was our song 
And the thing is, I didn't know how to feel about it because she was his stepsister, but she was she was hot in a sort of slutty kind of way. Um, you think? <laughs> and so I didn't know how to feel about it because it's like I knew, you know, well, not my sister. And they're only stepsisters. They're not related. No. Anyway, there you go. My friend in high school having sex with his stepsister. This was their song. Aw. All right, here's the next one. Number four is Heart with These Dreams. Oh, I hate this song. I hate this song so much. I hated this song when it came out. Sarah probably likes this song, though. Mm. No, it kind of annoys me. Good for you. I'm so glad to hear you say it. If you but like I this do song, love uh, Heart, All I Want to Do is Make Love to You. I love that song. <sighs> this song is just dull. It's just such a boring song. Nothing happens in this song. It's By just the way, it just doesn't really exist. And that's so the thing is, like, Heart used to be so great. I mean, even before I was around, I mean, it even predates me. I mean, in the early mid '70s, Heart was really, really rocking. And then they started doing this. Dude, her hair is bitching. It's huge. And it must have really irritated Ann Wilson that they never got a number one single until she switched up and gave the vocals to Nancy. And as soon as they made Nancy the lead singer, suddenly one hit after another. And the thing is, Nancy Wilson can't really sing all that well. Ann Wilson is the one who can sing. But the record executive is like, that Ann Wilson, nobody's going to buy a record with her on the cover. She's huge. And so they gave it to, like, blonde Nancy. Ugh, we have to stop this song. I hate it. The song goes on. The song goes on even after I turn up the radio. Here's uh, Tim Riley. It's, it's kind of the song when they play at the tire store, when the tires cost you $500 just to make matters worse. <laughs> and it takes it forever to put them as on. You're, in the waiting you're the room. last customer. You're in the waiting room looking at the empty M&M you're, dispenser. You're all, all the light switches going off, and you're still sitting there waiting for your car. <laughs> in, 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 the dark, in the dark, listening to these dreams yeah. by heart. All right, what's The next? popcorn's all gone. <laughs> Number three, Whitney Houston. How will I know? I'm just picturing just the smell of grease in the air and just sitting there. Just you know, television getting one channel, but it's all like the the, 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 the horizontal hold is all wrong. And for the last three hours, I know I'm next. I know I'm next. And you're sitting there. Jesus, I hate this song. I too. hate this song so much. All right, we can move on to the next okay. one. All right. Number two, Starship with Sarah. Do you like this song, Sarah? So many drunk men have sang this to me. Really? Oh, no. oh yeah. Like, just, they think it's funny. It's like, this is the first time. Just, just pieces of it. You, you ever just say that, like, you're the first guy who ever, you know, to ever do that? Ass. Ugh. Not a good song to begin with. And the stuff, storms are brewing in your eyes. God, this is an awful record. This is the same album that had that, that We Built This City song. God, the 80s were terrible. It's so bad. Oh, God. This song never starts. It has like three intros placed together. I'm going to fast forward it. I remember talking about that. I'll never find another girl like you. For happy This is like the music from a Miami Vice episode with like bad journey lyrics over the top. With fire and ice. I can totally see like a drunken guy in a bad hat. I think you're impressed. Yeah. Hey, but you know, the thing is, it wouldn't be older guys who would sing this to you. It would be like young, sort of like punk type guys who would think they're being charming and sort of ironically charming at the same time. I just found this cool song. Yeah. God, to think that Grace Slick fell into doing this. That this is the band that sang Somebody to Love and White Rabbit. That they became this. All right. Top five songs from 1986, March 8th. Number one, Mr. 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 
I barely knew her. This is very 80s. It really is. Great song, though. Oh, hey, he's good looking. Who? The guy from Mr. Mister? That might I don't have been know 22 years ago. You'll probably get him now. <laughs> yes. Will you put on a mask of the way you looked in 1986? <laughs> I printed out this mask. Oh, he's laying next to a naked man. What is, is this a home video? I don't think I should be watching this. I don't think it's a A what? Sport. A home video. Sorry. He is hot. Is this what? I don't think that's this. Was that him? Uh, it has to be. I can't Why did he wake up laying next to a man in his underwear? The wind blows hard well, this is, oh, maybe it's a jogging film. This is. A, this has to be a home video. Is it a home video? It, did it have the little video thing in the corner that said the name and the title? I was just distracted by the guy. I don't know. Let me see. I don't think that's the original uh, video. No. This is a home video. <laughs> well, maybe I could get this one. I don't. I don't think so, we Sarah. Seems like he might be playing person. for the other team. I know. You think he, he just needs the right girl? You think you could? No, no, no. He hasn't met Sarah Dillon. That's why. You know the weird thing is this song sounds like it's all like sex, but it's but, it, it, but I do it's a religious song. That's the weird thing about it. It's carrying Lord be with me. Anytime we had our big Catholic conferences, this was the song that they played. The Jesus TV. rocks. All right, I'm so sorry. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through. Like us. Back after this to wrap it up. They'll be there. We now have okay. the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. How long do we have here? Uh, about a minute and a half. Do we have time? Well, we have time for some calls. I guess. 40-second delay. All right. Uh, if you've been trying to get on, now is the time to do that. If you want to sneak on for the end of the show, it's 503-733-2970. We will take random phone calls now to the top of the hour. This email says, Rick. I think the best segment you've ever had on your show is when you took 20 minutes to dissect hearts. All I want to do is make love to you. <laughs> I think you should do a weekly thing of dissecting, uh, I'm sorry, discussing old, terrible songs. It would be awesome in every way. Well, I'll take Good thing I didn't advisement. put any sarcasm in that. Well, I don't know. I, is there sarcasm? It seems like... Is there? How could there be? Who doesn't love all I want to do is make love to you? I, I can't figure out if he's being sarcastic or not. I think he likes it a little too much. Let me read it again. Subject line, all I want to do is make love to you. That's awkward. Uh, email says, I think the best segment you've ever had in your show is when you took 20 minutes to dissect hearts. All I want to do is make love to you. I think you should make a weekly thing of discussing old, terrible songs. It was absolutely awesome in every way. I don't know if that's Maybe sarcastic I, or not. That sounds serious. Maybe we should do it tomorrow just to see what his reaction is. Uh, all right. Well, I don't even know what we would pick. What would be the next awesome, what would be the next terrible song? Thanks. Discussing old terrible songs. Tim, what's an old terrible song? We should totally song? do the song that you were just talking about. What? The we, we need to analyze that Silent song. Running? Figure out. Yeah. Well, we, we already kind of did that today, though, didn't we? We didn't answer the question. All right. Well, tomorrow. Okay, so don't even. And if anybody gets emails explaining it today, don't read them. Okay. Silent Running. Silent Running. How long do we have now? One second. Really? So I, I push. I have no time to take it. All right. If you're on hold, sorry. 
Well, my apologies. No time to be fair to another caller because I gave out the phone number and then just bumped my gums for no reason. Uh, so you can call tomorrow. Uh, like us up next, Michael Maris Show at 7. We want to thank Stina Radio Correspondents uh, Bob Costantini and Jim Roop uh, for joining us today. Uh, let's see. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include somebody and another guy and who's it? Yeah. That's uh, my first day back. Uh, and I'm from Barcelona. All right. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio. The news from Tim Riley. The phone's Richard Bristol. The gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. Webmistress Bridget from upstairs. Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. And CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan Don't F with me. Reynolds, like us next. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind it down. See you tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. It's actually coming in a diplomatic path.